Now I hit it too soon. Yeah, and you maybe did it a little too soon. Well, there was good conversation, and now Ben's doing things. Brandon not yet sat down. You haven't even sat but down, was, and Brandon already turned it on because he loved what we were saying about but it was watching good. movies for the first time versus the second time. It was good conversation. I, was, I wasn't. I was like over there. Here, why don't I turn off the air conditioning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot going on. You should have turned it on when the bug was on the table and you were Here, freaking these out. Are, these are chips. And then for I you. smashed Thank it with you. Ben's copy of The Velvet Rage, <laughs> and Ben yelled at you, "Stop being a baby." <laughs> Ben, edit all of this. When you're when you're living amongst the bugs like Ben, <laughs> the, they're people too, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Stop being a baby, you. We just bitch. you know, we don't leave any food remnants in the trash. We take everything out directly. Yes. We yes. as in Linda follows us uh-huh. as well. Yeah, <laughs> Linda's dry food gets put in a Ziploc baggie overnight. No. No, you're serious. Yeah, I can't leave any organic material. The no. bugs come for the kibble. Yeah. You know what I had come for the kibble recently? Ants. Really? I bet. Ant attack. It's, have, it's just because it's so hot. I'm having a spider yeah. problem where I live because I live like against all these trees. Yeah. I get these really scary looking, like imagine a wolf spider and then just like shrink it by four times. Is that what's biting Oh me? yeah, how's your spider bite? Let's so talk I about spider bites. I have one here and now I have one on my ankle. Oh, so Brandon, I'm pretty sure that I had a spider bite. Was it raised? Was it raised? Like, like, like a bump? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bump. I like. Let me feel it. Well, now it's flat. Now it's red. Yeah. Yes. So I had a spider bite on my uh, ankle, or right above my ankle, Same. On my calf, and it was a like it was a hard bump. Yeah. And I had to constantly lotion it with I unscented, to... unscented lotion. Unscented. Unscented lotion. Good for spider bites. Good for tattoos. That's exactly right. But Thank do, you. No, no scent though. No scent though. No scent though. No menthol, no peppermint. And don't get Jurgen's original because Jurgen's original. Do is they do they donate to Christians or? Oh, do they? No, I don't know. I'm just wondering if that's why. No, just because Jurgen's original has a scent. Oh, you well, have to get Jurgen's unscented. Do you know why you can only use unscented lotion on tattoos? I have no idea, but you know what? I use Jurgen's original on my second tattoo, and that seems fine. So. Which tattoo? Oh. I don't see it. My Brandon, <gasps> you're pointing to nothing. Because it went away because the, of Jurgen's original. It, it's it's acts as an eraser. Oh no. Acts as an eraser, Brandon. When did you get that again? Recently. I don't know, like a month ago. Your gay tattoo. Literally, it's a gay it's stamp. It's a beautiful, it perfect literally, triangle. Literally, if I'm walking forward, a gay man can look at me and be like, is he gay? And he looks at my arm and he's like, yes, there he is. is. Gay. It just says the word gay. I feel mm-hmm. like having my cat tattooed on my thigh signals a oh, similar thing. It does. When I'm wearing shorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No straight man would do that. Absolutely not. Yeah. I don't have my laptop. I feel very Do you have nude. any tattoos, Ben? No. He's getting one. E.T. Getting home one? phone home. Of E.T.? Of the word ouch in the E.T. font. No, you're not. That's what I would like to do. I love that. Thank you. I don't know where. Where did we decide I was going to do it? We discussed it at TJ's birthday. How was that, by the way? You didn't it was pick, fun. You didn't pick a location. I know. We discussed wrist. Well, we discussed where wrist, we're hurt. R- wrist is kind of a serve. Oh, this, we hurt discussed on a wrist. upper this, this is thigh. gay canon. Yeah, we, just, we discussed yep. here. I'm getting one here. We discussed, uh, what are these, the obliques? Uh, so I've got one on my, I have a mountain ridge on my obliques, mm-hmm. and it fucking that's what I've heard. Yeah. But it's like, you'll probably bleed a lot. Yeah. But it's whatever. You're fine. 
so. I had a nightmare the other day where I was visiting my friends in Brooklyn and I was sleeping on their couch and I woke up and a man with a tattoo gun was inking me. It was oh. like, it's what in you In your want. dream? Yes. It's no, like, in real life. In real life. It felt like Sorry, life. I came out of phone, and, doing phone. And he was like, it's the one you wanted. Remember, I'm like, oh yeah, right. It's the one I wanted. And he was tattooing the mother from Rugrats like <gasps> on a, in, in big color on my left shoulder. That sounds great. It was, well, but no, the idea of it wonderful. is great. Can I it, do a Lucretia Mattel yeah, moment? Yeah, unrunkle unrun the chips. Unrunkle. Who's going which, lis- which listener's going to yell at us? Stop <laughs> eating on the mic. Brandon, to be fair, it's been like a full year since someone has even communicated with us. <laughs> I know. I feel like we're definitely doing it in a vacuum at this point. Which no, no listeners. It's so much more fun. I was passing the, uh, can we mention things that are around here? Yeah. Okay, so I was. Because pa- Ben's going to get stalkered. I thought Ben might get stalkered. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was passing the Oinkster Hollywood, which has been closed for well over a year. A year and a half. A long time. And, and I the, remember. The I thing used says, to, stop eating Tide, Tide Pods. Pods. Don't eat Tide Pods. Don't eat Tide Pods. That was a eat year burgers, and burgers, don't eat Tide Pods. Two years no, ago. I was passing and I'm like, damn, that's been up there for a while. But I remember there would be a few times when I would stop at the Oinkster before coming here and have a veggie burger and just be so nervous about recording the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, what a world that was. Because now no. we just walk in here, turn on the mics. <laughs> here we are. around for an hour we're and like, a half. And then at some point we're like, are we done? Are we, is it, are we're we done. good here? Are we fine? I think we're done. <laughs> what a road that we've paved mm. and walked down. Did you listen to the episode you weren't <laughs> yes! at? You yes. were absent for it? Cameron was so wonderful. He was. I, I, did, I do think that y'all were a little unkind to the director of I, Tanya. Because Craig Gillespie, I think, is a fine filmmaker and did a wonderful job with Lars and the Real Girl. And Brandon uh, Brandon was like, oh, he'll just do whatever you tell him to do. And I was like, I don't get that at all from his filmography. I do. Even from Lars? What's what's after Lars? I have no idea. But Lars and exactly. the Real I think no, but <laughs> just no, but it but that doesn't necessarily prove your point. I, I know. I just was I was like Lars and the Real Girl, Erasure, Emily Mortimer should have been nominated for the supporting actress I mean, Oscar. That movie's great. It's a great film. But and it's it's one of those movies that should not have been good and came out in a time when it seemed like every premise was trying to out Little Miss Sunshine, Little Miss mm-hmm. Sunshine. Mm-hmm. It's like this loner falls in love with a sex doll. Like, he directed The Finest Hours. You know, The Finest Hour. What is that? That was this Literally, what like, is that? Chris Pine boat sh- See, ship that's, movie. See, that's what makes <gasps> me think he I does think whatever Wait, he's is that told. Is Tanya? Yes. yes. That was 2016. You think, wait, but who do you think told him to make I, Tanya the way that he made I, Tanya? Because even though the three, I think, if I remember correctly. And this was episode, a Disney movie. Didn't we all sort of right. dislike or have a lot of issues with I, Tanya? Well, I liked I, Tanya at the time, but if I were to Oh, re-watch. and he made Disney's Million Dollar Arm okay, starring so he, John. Okay, so he was a Disney. But he I, was in the pocket of Disney for a minute. Yeah. But I heard Million Dollar Arm was good. Oh, was it? I'm sure it's like a 60 on Metacritic. I heard it was somewhat problematic, but ultimately warm-hearted. What about Fright Night? And oh, he I heard Fright the Fright Night, Night remake's good. Okay, but do you think that it's because he was being told what to do? or? Well, okay, okay. Being Written to, by being, Tom Holland. Being, of course, like, listening to the, the one ones. thing that Spider-Man? I wanted to jump in on was like being the told, Being told what he should direct, that's not accurate. I probably was drunk or something, as I am right now. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Matt, hello. Are you? <laughs> Living rent free. Um, Hi, Matt. No, I don't. I think. I think his filmography is just so like such a smattering of different genres and studios and non-studio things that it's sort of hard to pin him down. Mm-hmm. You know I who it reminds me of? 
Zemeckis? No, is Mark Forster. <laughs> yes. Who just Who's like also hard to pin It's down. also the Kite Runner, Finding Neverland. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What's the last one he did? Uh, I can't remember now. Something. Oh, not Quant- good. Quantum of Solace. Yes. That's right. The worst Bond movie. The worst. Uh, uh, but looking. it has that fantastic option. Christopher Robin. Christopher, what? Right? World War Z. Also in the <laughs> yeah, Disney so pocket. Yeah, so it's similar. Stranger Than Fiction. Like, literally, yeah, Monsters Ball. I like that movie. He did Monsters Ball. Literally too. the most insane, like, I he's think, just a white man who keeps getting opportunities. Yes. <laughs> and that's Craig Gillespie. I think that was, I phrased it wrong. He doesn't do what he's told, but, like, his, what he chooses to do, there's no through line. Well, it's just I would like, say, eh? I would say, and first of all, like, if you're a mediocre white man in Hollywood, you get the opportunity to even do this. Yes. But... I even though I have problems with Itanya, that movie is a true independent, is my understanding. Like went into mm-hmm. Toronto with no distributor. True independent. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it went into Toronto with no distributor, and then Neon picked it up. So it's not like, it sounds like to me he was trying to make a break from the Disney model yeah. of films he was making. And then at the end, are we not plugged in? We'll be fine. Wait, what happened? Well, Nothing. no. Usually I plug in just to well, make sure the battery's fine, but the battery is fine. Do you remember that? Do you remember when it shut off in the middle of us talking about opening night? Yeah, but we just well, I, I put batteries in. I okay. eyeball. Well, I wasn't here last week, so I don't. Know. I eyeball it every two seconds now since okay, that incident. Great. Anyway, the but incident. Anyway, at the end of the day, Disney got him back. So. Disney got him back. Wait, after Itania? Yeah. Yeah. For for what? The for what? For Cruella. The, Cruella Deville with Emma Stone. Oh, is that what we were? That's talking? what y'all were talking about. <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't even remember the context. I also was curious. What are y'all's thoughts on the Jungle Book again? Because bad. Li- literally every single thing you guys were saying is what I was saying about the Jungle Book when that worse, movie came out. Worse than Lion King is better than Jungle Jungle Book. Interesting. I think. I think Jungle Book is worse because at least Lion King, like you said, Ben, like has the songs. Yeah. There's a, that's like the bottom. No, I disagree though. The Jungle Book is also embarrassed to be a musical and Bill Murray is like sleepwalking and half talk, like talking. And half Christopher Walken as the orangutan is haunting. And, it's, and, and one of you said it and that's how I feel about that number. That's not choreography to like throw a bunch of multicolored pots and pans and fruit in the air. That's mm. not choreography. Mm. I gave it three. Damn. Jesus. And Thompson over here. I gave it two. It's, Lo- it is Anton not Thompson, as bad as the line. Famously, I think it is. Yeah. I think it's worse than the line. I was so I was just seething with anger when I watched that. Movie. Me too. I wanted to kill myself. Idris Elba is really good. He is. Well, <laughs> no, all, Idris is that's great. That's all I have to Lu- say about this Lupita movie. Lupita is also great. Yeah. And ScarJo as a tree snake is mm-hmm. also really good. Literally, don't remember any of them in the movie. All I remember is Bill Murray sleepwalking and Christopher Walken being horrifying. Great. <laughs> anyway, so and that's, the, that's... and the little actor playing Mowgli being awful. I was just unemployed and I was happy to get out of the house. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember I most was, people seen movies. I was, I was living at home with my parents. Just at happy that to moment. go. I remember I, I, I left work at like four o'clock on a Friday mm. and went to the Vista to see the Jungle Book. Or maybe Oof. earlier. I may have seen like a 3.30 or something, but I snuck mm. out of work and I was like, I should have stayed in the office. I like rented it on Amazon for three ninety nine. I think I was just pissed about my $4. Yeah, I can't imagine watching it at home. Though. I watched it at home. Miserable. I think I turned it off. Yeah. That's probably why I, I definitely no I definitely it. would have liked it less if I were not trapped in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Speaking of movies that we wish we had turned off, I watched The Fearless Vampire Killers the other night. Starring Sharon Tate. Sharing Sharon Tate, You're which I watched Sharon Tate because moment. of Sharon Tate. Um and I did I watched half an hour of it and then she gets 
eaten by a vampire. Like, I'm good. And so then I turned it off. Polanski directed that, right? Uh-huh. That's where they met. Yes, right. And this this movie was a hit. A massive fucking hit. And it's not funny. It's a comedy. It's like a spoof. It's of... pre-Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. right? It was. It's his first English language movie. So like to, u- to use the parlance of another podcast, is that what gave him the blank check to make Rosemary's mm-hmm. Baby? It's the movie that... Uh, What's his name? Robert Evans. Robert saw Evans. And was like, and it was a hit. This, this is cinema. This is the man for me. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was, is that around the time that Once Upon a Time is like? Well, Once Upon a Time is after Rosemary's Baby. Oh right, right, right. Because yeah. they, but they, they got together. They got during together during whatever this is. Fearless Vampire Killers, which is sometimes called Dance of the Vampires, depending on who you ask. I think and it has. I think one is the British name, and one is the American name. But I was just like, why am I? Why am I watching? You gave Valley of the Dolls one star. It's not good. Well, no, <laughs> but I at least gave it three because Jeffrey would kill me. Yeah, it's not a good. It's not good. <laughs> I at least had a few chuckles. But then Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Is that's the supposed one. to be great. That's the one. That's Beyond be is great. I watched Valley and then Beyond. Back I would to like back. to watch. Have y'all ever read Valley Beyond. of the Dolls? No. no, it's very good. It's very. Arch. I would like to read it. What's his a name? A lot of pills. Not mm. a good director. I don't know who directs it. I forget what his name is, but he's not know. good. Russ Meyer did the second one, right? Uh-huh. And ro- written by Roger, Roger Ebert. Roger right. Ebert. Never Roger forget. Ebert. You know what I would like to know? This is completely off topic, yeah, but sure. based on what I've been viewing in my recent life. What Roger Ebert would think of the current Fast and Furious movies. Oh. What did he give the original? How were his reviews? Always three stars. The original, three stars. Too Fast, Too Furious, three stars. Mm. Tokyo Drift. Three stars. Would he was a, given seven, four stars. Or is five, that the one? Five is the one that people love. Five. Okay, so it's. Is, f- f- Brandon, sorry, is five the one where they ride the cars through the train, through the moving train? They go over a ramp and they Ye- go through a moving train. No. Is that six? That's seven, I believe. Oh, okay. Because five. Is seven a- was the one where seven got the best reviews. Oh wait, is seven the last one with Paul Walker? Yes, got which it. is why it got like the most acclaim. I saw that. That was, that was the one where I, I was in New York and they were like, literally, all of the theaters are running this movie twenty four hours a day. Like literally, there are three a.m. Mm-hmm. and four a.m. showtimes. Furious Seven was the one where Vin Diesel was like, "This should get a best picture nomination." Yeah, yes, I remember that. Right, right. But but which I disagree with. But, but with yeah, some distance it, but... from the Paul Walker of it all. Mm-hmm. Five is now better received. Is better received. Five is largely said as the have, best one. Have I and re- Roger Ebert probably wouldn't give any four, but he would give he would give six, seven, and he would give five, six, seven, like probably three and a half stars. Mm-hmm. I apologize in advance because this is going to be a trend throughout this episode, given what we're talking about. But have I told you guys about how a friend of mine who lives in Angelino Heights lives across from Dominic Toretto's house? The iconic 1327 yes. house uh-huh. Uh-huh. that got blown up uh-huh. in Furious so 7. She, she, told, she told me that she sees people all the time on the street or like in front of her house oh, all the sure. time taking pictures wow. across the street. Fast and Furious is a sensation. People I, need photos. I have sensation. tagged Instagrams from Dominic Toretto's house because wow. the tag is right there. Wow. You know, at the end of Fur- uh, at the end of Fast and Furious 6, my favorite of the motion pictures. Mm. Someone, is that a controversial take? It is. Most people, I mean, you if you don't say Fast Five is the best, you get shot in the streets. Mm-hmm. So I plan to die. So what you were saying about um, someone asks Brian O'Connor like, "How much do you want?" Or no, they asked Who's Dominic. Brian O'Connor. He's Paul Walker. Oh. Someone asked Vin Diesel, 
Dominic Toretto, like, how much do you want? Like, from their giant take from... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, thank I saw you. that too. I was wanna, coming. I was pulling wanna, up all of your. Ben, do you want to say Fast and Furious? I pulled up Brandon's letterbox because I was going to look at all of his Fast and Furious ratings, and his favorite films are Kill Bill Volume One, Kill Bill Volume Two, Kill Bill Volume One, Kill Bill Volume Two. How do you do that? You can do multiple films. So I could do four McCabe and Mrs. Miller's. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you should do it right now. Well, I kind of like my, my top four right now is probably the most indicative of my taste, and I want to. It's taken me a long time to get the perfect four. Mm. Just do all McCabe, Mr. Miller. Um, sorry, just to finish my point, they say, how much money do you want? And he's like, 1327, which makes no sense. Like, 1327, but what? Like, $1,000? He wants revenge. No, he just wants to go back home. Oh, so that's gosh. the address they go back to. I think it's at the end of, yeah, Fast and Furious 6. Okay. I hate that they all have the I don't know, my point's money. Name. Well, not Tokyo Drift. What? Yeah, Tokyo Drift has it, but, like, they're not... They're not clearly denoted like the Mission Impossible movies are. Well, here, here, literally, there's one called The Fast and the Furious, and then the third, the fourth one is called Fast and Furious because it's a reboot. It's a re, it's a sequel slash reboot. Who is the beloved character who dies in Tokyo Drift? Han. Han, and then but then come back. He comes back from the dead, and then you're like, wait a minute, and it's never explained for two full ass movies until you realize seven, five. Six, five and six take place before Tokyo Drift. Right. Wow. And then in seven, wow. they're powerful. They're, in that seven, aren't they avenging Han's death? They're avenging the death of <laughs> who dies? Han. Michelle Rodriguez. No. No, because Letty's alive. Who the fuck are they avenging in? It's just a I lot of their know. team members die, so they're avenging the death of like few. Who other... plays the villain in seven? This it's is fascinating. It's um, it's Shaw. It's um. Oh, it's Jason it's, Statham. It's Jason Statham, and he is completely uninteresting in Seven. I actually don't think Seven's that good, which is con- another controversial take. Mm-hmm. But in Eight, Shaw he, comes to play. Shaw comes to play. Helen which Mirren's is, there. Helen, yeah, which I had Who no is idea. Who's Hobbs? Hobbs is the, the Rock. Rock. And he's great. Wait, from he's Fast so Five. The Rock Hold is on. in these movies. Yes, he's in he five, in six, five. seven, and eight. Is the Rock and Vin Diesel in these movies? Yes, the Rock and Vin Diesel both, are in these. and Jason Statham. But Brandon in Fast and Furious Six, literally, Vin Diesel air jumps into the air and headbutts the Rock. It's absolutely it's the Brandon, best thing I've ever seen. Brandon, is it in five when The Rock is wearing a long sleeve shirt, flexes, and the sleeves break off? No, he he. Are you thinking about the scene where he he's in the hospital because he just fell from four stories because Shaw punched him out a window or like yeah, blew yeah, him yeah, up yeah, or whatever? Yeah, sure. And he's laying in the hospital High bed. For the, he's laying in a hospital bed with oh, his daughter. Oh, did he break off his cast for the whole movie? And then he sees on the news that there's a high speed chase in Los Angeles. Mm. So he's like. Daddy's got to go to work. He stands Does up. Does he say that? And f- yes. <laughs> and he flexes his arm and his cast explodes yes. off. Wow. It's, it's an iconic cinematic, <laughs> cinematic gesture. That's art. It's the best thing I've ever seen. So uh, did you, were you a fan of the franchise before Hobbs and Shaw was coming out soon? Oh, absolutely or? not. You just I, wanted to stand. I decided. You pivoted. I pivoted. Brandon is pivoting I, left and right. I sometimes did. you just decide, I'm going to get into this. Yes, and, and I sometimes did. Sometimes it doesn't go well, but. 
I'm also it has gone well. This I time. also assigned myself to rate them for hypeable. So I'm doing oh, it. See, I'm doing it for work, but also I, I say, wanted to. At yeah. opening, you can cut this, Brandon, if you don't want this on the mic. But at opening night of Outfest, Brandon was like networking with some people, mm. and then I like came up. I'm like, oh, sorry, I was just gonna steal you for a second. This is about time you're like doing professional stuff, and you're like, no, please get me out of here. I'm pivoting. Oh yeah, you can keep that in. <laughs> Like, uh, the pressure was off opening night. Yeah. I was like, woo! Ah, You're like, pivoting. Every time someone wanted to come up and talk to Brandon, he's like, God, I'm pivoting. I'm pivoting. <laughs> anyway, so I'm pivoting to Fast and Furious Standom. Great. Thank you. I think that's great. Even though I gave like half the movies two stars. You know, it's okay. It's a lot of movies. I'm actually not standing them. Did you enjoy watching them all? Oh, absolutely. They're not good. Like, two are good. I actually find them kind of exhausting, to be honest with you. I mean, the okay, so what I wanted to say was, you Ben, you said about the titles of these movies. Mm-hmm. So in the actual movie, they're simply called, since Fast and Furious, it's Fast and Furious 5. Mm-hmm. Fast and, or no. It's, Fast 5. It's Fast 5. Mm-hmm. Furious 6. Furious 6. Furious 7, Fast and Furious 8. But it was billed as but the, the Fate, but F8 the actual the Furious. Not F8. It's spelled out Fate. No, but, no, but the posters, I mean. Yeah, the poster does say F8. Oh, does the it? Fate, the, Furious. the Fate of the Furious. That's funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the eighth one says the Fate of the Furious, but nowhere in the movie does it actually say. And I tweeted out, I was like, someone, please explain it's this. It's like how the ellipsis no in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is in a different place. No, it's so everywhere. Where exactly. is it? Exactly. It is. It's hard to tell. Because I will say it is at a different point on the marquee of the New Beverly and in the film. And on IMDb. And on IMDb. That's sometimes. It's and on Letterboxd, there is no ellipsis. It is, right. all, it is either before the word in or after the word in. Right, 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 right. What is the truth? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. No one knows. No one knows. So I think it's so interesting when movies do that. Like in the movie, it's clearly correct, but then everyone else is like, so then what's, well, the, what's the truth? Did, Tarantino did this with Inglorious Bastards, if I remember correctly. Isn't the spelling different in the chapter of in, called Inglorious Bastards than the title card Inglorious Bastards? That rings, yes. That rings the chapter is spelled correctly the way that you would spell those words. Yes. I mean, but the, the title is used yeah. and an E. Uh-huh. Yeah. In that sort of pencil scratch yeah. font in the opening credits. His actual handwriting. That's Tarantino's handwriting. Mm-hmm. Nice. Really, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And it's also cool. like on all the cassettes and Death Proof. Mm-hmm. That's his mm-hmm. handwriting. Mm-hmm. Did you rewatch Death Proof? I did. <gasps> did you like it more the second time? Fourth time? How many times have you seen it? This was the second time, and no, okay. I did not. Did you watch the well, you still gave it four standalone? Stars. I did. So did you, you watch the, the standalone movie. or the cut? Uh, you gave it four stars? Uh-huh. So you did still like it. it is I thought that you didn't like mm-hmm. it. And you gave Django four. I did. I thought you I liked, didn't like. I liked Django. Django a lot more. Did you watch all time. of them? I did. Nice. I watched Kill Bill a couple months ago, so yeah. I did not watch them all in the last week. But I watched most of them in the last. So week. all these movies are at least four, except no, Hateful Eight. I gave three and a half, but that also went three and a half too. Jeez, I also gave it an extra half star. We're all canceled. We're all stands. What can we say? Who's in charge, Daniel? No, 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 no. I just got back and I'm tired. No, it is you. No, it's not. It's Ben, then. I'll do it. Yeah, let Ben do it. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Where are we? Who are we? What's Hi, happening? Damn, 22 this is... <laughs> we spent 25 minutes <laughs> talking, talking about, about Fast, and Fast and Furious. This is Movies IML. Sorry, that was my fault. That's okay. We, we were into it. We're having a great time. Brandon, we, I think it's the most fun I've ever had on the show. We are here 
We're your favorite film facts to talk about cinema. What's the name of the show? <laughs> Grammar. Movies on your mouth. Oh. Sure. I've said it like six times. I just can't hear. It's called The Discourse. Oh, oh got it, got it, got it. Imagine a podcast I would love a podcast the discourse. called The Discourse. And you don't totally... talk about movies, you or, just talk about The Discourse. Or, or, but you spell it the D-I-S-S course. Oh. Because you're kind of dissing The Discourse. Uh, dissing wow. The Discourse. that's rich. Uh, tomorrow when I tweet the teaser, I'm going to say, The Discourse is coming for you. Next it's on the coming. runway, Discourse. Oh. <laughs> My name is Ben Empey. My name is Daniel Crook. I'm Dominic Toretto. Oh, Ooh, nice. Thanks. Well, welcome to the show, Dom. <laughs> family. And we... Uh, I don't have friends. I got family. I got family. Uh, for, a bir- for a birthday party I did after Fast Five came out, back when you would do a, like a like a Facebook event for a birthday party sure. and like write a long description or whatever. Sure. I, People still do that today. Oh, sorry. I'm just not on Facebook. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> <laughs> that people stop doing that. Um, I wrote the description as like it was a Fast Five themed birthday party. Have you seen the film? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you're was, a stan. The party wasn't actually Fast Five themed, but that trailer was so iconic because there are all these moments where it's like, room. Oh yeah. <laughs> like okay, the, the most iconic line from that trailer is when Tyrese Gibson says, "This just went from Mission Impossible to Mission and freaking Sanity." Yes. <laughs> So I wrote the Never description forget. of the Facebook invite. I have invite. no idea. I, I, wrote it, I wrote it all in this like high octane uh, language. Mm. So it'd be like two uh, sentences and, yes. then, and then a new paragraph break. And it would be like, oh yeah. <laughs> or like, va-voom. Like whatever, whatever the lines yeah. were in the movie, How in the great. trailer. Va-voom. Va-voom. <laughs> you know, when, when Michelle Rodriguez tearfully turns to Dominic Toretto and goes, she, Did you know that she loses? She forgets her name. She loses her memory. <laughs> no, isn't that is that the plot of six? It's the plot of four, five, six, and seven. She can't. She doesn't know who she is. It's like <laughs> she literally dies. Anymore. I don't know. I don't know who I am. And it's so frustrating for Dom because he, the woman he loves, is finally back, but she doesn't. One, she doesn't know that they were in love, and two, she doesn't know who she is or who he is. And so he's having to struggle with his feelings, knowing that she doesn't reciprocate them purely because she doesn't, she remember, doesn't remember. So he kind of has to make her fall in love again. Yeah, and he's like, he's wow. like, he's like, I can't make. He literally says, "I can't make you fall in love with me." Yeah, and she's like, "I remember everything." Yeah, she has oh. a flashback, and everything comes back to her. Wow, kind of like at the end of Can I tell Fifty you the, Shades Freed. Okay, Fifty Shades of Grey. And the Furious franchise, there's a there's a think piece to be written. I'm gonna write that think piece. Please, please type that. Okay, the plot of Fate of the Furious. (laughs) I'm sorry. Don't be. Charlize Theron Mm -hmm. participates in psychological. Her name is Cyber, right? Cyber, C Y B E R. She's the best hacker in the world. Cyber, (laughs) in the world. Cyber, (laughs) and she, she. Does psychological warfare on Dominic Toretto. She is like, you have a son. And she holds his son hostage. <laughs> kills, his kills his baby mama. And fucking like torments his baby. Oh, Charlie's Threatens to kill a baby. Perhaps Hollywood's most versatile actor mm-hmm. currently working. No, I really think she... No, because I don't want Ben to have to edit. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we are here today to talk about the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. Cancel. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Cancel. Mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Once in upon Hollywood. a time in feet Hollywood. In Once Hollywood. upon a time in Nazi occupied France. Damn right. That's oh, the first, the first chapter. chapter. Which is maybe his best piece of writing. Except that section. But I like three the best. Which one? Three is the card game with that's um, great. Diane Kruger, who should have been I think nominated. That's four. That's four? Because it because I watched it yesterday. It's, help me, help me, help me. It's help me, uh, the prologue, and then it's the Inglorious and then we meet the bastards, and then we mm-hmm. meet Shoshana in Paris. That's mm. three. And then we get the card game. The card game is my favorite section. And then because the there's five. Diane Kruger should have been nominated and Michael Fassbender should have been nominated. But, of the, but of the folks who got SAG nominations, it is criminal that Diane Kruger did not get nominated. One of Tarantino's best characters, in my opinion. Bridget von Hammersmark. Uh, if Christoph Waltz had only been in the prologue and then not returned in the movie, he still would have won the Oscar. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. That's a bingo, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sure. sure. Good me, movie. me putting that movie above Pulp Fiction. Thank I have you. it above Pulp Fiction. Oh, hell Should yeah. we rank now? Actually, damn. No, we can't rank at the at top of the hour. At some point during the program, I will rank. I haven't ranked yet. I can actually just do it. I can do it on the fly later. No, we have to do it at the end. We always do it at So the make end. sure to listen to the end or skip forward to the end because we're going to rank. Skip to the end. We're going to do Keep a Keep hitting that times plus 30 what is button. That? Tarantino oh. ranking. There are no films. There are no films. Oh. Remove I, filters. Wait, don't show. No, no, no. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. No, I want Brandon to see, and I want him to react, but I don't want him to say anything. Okay, I'll, I'll look then. How high oh. is Once Upon a Time? Did you really bump it up? Here we go. Okay. Sure. Okay. <gasps> he did it! Ah, okay. That's the correct move. It took a rewatch. That's almost right. In my, for, It's almost lined up with mine. We have the same top three... Okay, I mean, we'll I mean, that. Ben. That's we have the same bottom two. Ben, that's identical to mine, except one obvious change. Your favorite movie of all time. Correct. Yeah. Okay. But that ours is literally identical. Aside Other from that. than that. Yeah. Okay, but what's going on now? What's the name of the movie? <laughs> We've said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like just feel bad. Times. I just feel bad that the listeners can't see the list yet. That, they'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> They we don't. Okay. We don't have listeners. As that, again, we're talking in a. Voice. As that one tweet we, we don't said, have, we can't track our listeners anymore. That one tweet said, "I don't actually need you to stay on topic to anything. I, I just, just want to feel like I'm your friend. friend. I just need you to keep talking. Uh-huh. I just need you to keep talking, so I don't have to listen to my own fucking thoughts. Well, yeah, that's a mood. That is a real mood. Y'all are gonna dream about Fast and the Furious tonight. Where shall we begin? Oh, we'll Hollywood. Also, we will also be talking we're about. We're gonna start in Hollywood. Isn't it kind of crazy? They were podcasting from Hollywood on the Once Upon a Time. This Hollywood is a episode. great. Okay, I've said this Hollywood before. Film. I've said it again. I'll say it again. Once the discourse, capital T, capital D, dies down, this will go down as a great LA movie mm-hmm. and one of Tarantino's best. I well, hold on a second. I feel like the great LA movie isn't even in question from the dissenters and the those who love it. Right? I mean, yeah. people, people have said like, yeah. He makes driving around LA look amazing. I feel like and sound amazing. I, the a, radio. A friend mm-hmm. of mine who is a prominent film critic, whose name I won't mention, that sounds so annoying. But he was saying to, he was mixed on the movie and was like, "I wish this film was a VR installation because I want to just walk just through this it. world." But I didn't care for X, Y, and Z. And can I, I say an anecdote? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I worked at. Can I put this on? Yeah, who cares? I worked at World of Wonder <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> and they. Can we talk and, about and, and you see, you see World of Wonders building mm. in um, really in many driving shots. It's in Hollywood, right? 
in Hollywood. It's on Sunset? It's on Sunset. Yeah. Um, it's a Is very... it connected to that gallery space that they own? Yes. Okay. Is it above that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. My friend showed in that gallery space one time. Yeah. yeah. So that section is seen multiple times. Mm-hmm. And when I worked there, I had to work with Tarantino's location scouts. Oh. I had to yeah, let them up on that. the roof mm-hmm. so they could cover, because there's like a hologram theater right next door to World of Wonder. Okay. So they needed to cover that. Mm. So that shot down Sunset Boulevard, like I let the location scout up there so he could mm. That's cool. partially dress, you know, that street. So seeing that shot, I was like, oh. I will say I feel lucky to have lived in LA while this movie was being shot. Yeah. Because I think we all have probably between two and five stories a piece of driving down Sunset Boulevard or ducking down like Orange Drive or something and then all of a sudden seeing a funny girl poster or everything bleached and mm-hmm. sherbet orange. Mm-hmm. Like it was really cool to live in LA when this movie was being <coughs> shot because you would drive, you would be driving past like CD off of Hollywood and then all of a sudden yeah. you, you have time traveled 50 years in they the They shot past. at my place of employment when, right. they, when they leave Columbia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Paramount. I wondered if right. that was Paramount. I thought it was too. Mm-hmm. I totally have, is. I have an anecdote too. Um, so we were having, Outfest was having a fundraiser at Bordner's in Hollywood, our women's committee. And Leo and Quentin were shooting oh, around. Right. I think I told you this, right? Yes. I, I'm sure I was wondering whose story this was because you've told it before. To you. Yeah. I told it to everybody, I think. But I'll say it for the listeners. But um, it, it's the story of the person who... You'll see in the story mm-hmm. who I'll mention, but we were throwing a uh, like a women's event, a women's fundraiser for the festival, and who walks through the door but Quentin Tarantino and Leo DiCaprio because they were looking to get a drink after a long day of shooting. Mm-hmm. They ended up crashing the party. They were welcomed in, Unbelievable. and Quentin Tarantino offered to donate like reams and reams of vintage uh, lesbian, um, I'll say images on sixteen millimeter. Uh, from like the 60s, I love which it. I thought was I mean, so cool. I, I mean that. I don't like, know if they ever made it into the collection, but Tarantino was like, I love Outfest, and I have all these crazy lesbian movies I want to give I mean, you guys. That's, that's so fucking cool. I yeah. agree. I mean, the guy is so cool. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was telling that story, to, and, and I realized that she might listen to this, and if so, I'm sorry. I, this is nothing personal. But I was telling the story to someone the other day because I forgot it, and then obviously now that this is in the discourse, I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell people the story because it's a fun story. Yeah. But she was like, what is he doing with all that anyway? That's disgusting. And I'm like... I just don't understand the characterization of Tarantino in the mm-hmm. popular culture right now. Mm-hmm. I just, qu- I frankly don't understand it. I don't get it either. I mean, if he you, is a collector. Exactly. Like, well, and I was listening. If he didn't have it, it would be gone. I was, he, he has said, and I was listening to Amy Nicholson's, like the first 10 minutes of her. Oh yeah, I want to listen to that. Yeah, she, Tarantino was saying that his first job, uh, not his first job ever, but like he got a job working as an usher at a porn theater. Mm-hmm. And he remembers thinking like, oh, great. Like at the, the job I've always wanted to work in a theater and it's a place where I don't even want to watch the movies. He's like, porn never really appealed to me. And so it's just like, that, just we, that we make the assumption of he has all of these films because he wants to jack off wearing wool yeah. socks in his basement. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I like we- He I, gets off on violence. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, sex is violence in a way, but- mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I actually don't want to open this with, like, litigating, like, Tarantino as a cultural figure. Mm-hmm. But I do think, I think that you can be really disgusted by his actions with Uma Thurman in the car with Kill Bill Volume 1. But you also have to accept that the two of them have made up. 
Mm-hmm. But you know what? Yeah. But you also don't have to. You can feel however you want. But that's really... Well, it's what you said, Daniel. She doesn't want to be a victim in that. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, like, also... It's also just a very complicated situation. Yes. What's less complicated is, like, how he continued to work with Harvey Weinstein. But mm-hmm. I felt that he showed a great deal of remorse when talking about that. But I can already hear people, like, mocking that I just said that. Yeah. You know, but I just really think that we engage in the worst faith possible these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this whole discourse around Tarantino and Scorsese really exemplifies that. Which is I not- do think you're right that Death Proof is possibly him reckoning, reckoning with, with Thuma Thurman. Oh, I didn't situation. say that. Oh. I think I think Matter Some Matter Matter Spider living rent free in our heads. Yeah. I think he, he said also that. says that spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie turn this off. One, two, three. That Brad Pitt's character is stuntman Mike. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's yeah. a prequel to mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, that was Matt. Right. And I and I I thought that was very smart. Yeah. It gets very anyway, stupid. feel how you want to feel. I'm not saying that you're not allowed to feel however you want to feel. Right. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh what's this movie about, Ben? Oh, I, well, while we were on this topic, I just want to say, not this topic, the topic before, that there's only one that I can see geographical. It's not even an error, but it is because it doesn't matter. Yeah. But when Brad Pitt picks up Margaret, Margaret Qualley, mm-hmm. he says, you're hitching from Burbank Boulevard to Chatsworth. And then when they get on the freeway there in Hollywood... Yes, I noticed that too. But yeah. other than that, it's all because there was a point when uh, Sharon is driving to Westwood. I was like, she wouldn't get on the freeway, but then I realized it's just Wilshire. It was also a different time. What? <laughs> like I don't know how they drove. In there was no traffic apparently. She would not get on the freeway from the Hollywood Hills to go to Westwood. That's true. From else, from she Taylor would take. Drive. A, she, she would take. She a would canyon. take Santa Monica Boulevard, or she would take a canyon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Flashback to the stars, more discourse. I'm like, who cares how they're getting there and where they're going? Who I mean, I don't care. I just, I just, no, I like to notice yeah, yeah, yeah. when oh, that it is. Right. I, oh, by the way, real quickly on Stars Born, I'm pretty sure that Lady Gaga's father, Andrew Dice Clay, noted limousine enthusiast mm-hmm. and uh, purveyor of rides. I'm pretty sure that they shot the exterior for his place in Angelino Heights, which again is probably down the street from Dominic Toretto's house. I think I think neighbors Um, he's in the next Fast and Furious with his cars holy shit fleet of limos they are they are planning a 9 and 10 I don't know he puts the car into Vavoom drive and he's like hey look at me I'm I'm Frank I'm Frank going down the freeway hey I'm Vavooming so this is a movie wait I have a final anecdote (laughs) I'm so sorry so I was on the lot PAing on Universal lot, and I remember dri- cruising around in a golf cart and driving by a closed Tarantino set, and it was th- it was the set of the movie within a movie. Mm. Oh, sure, the Western set. When you see this movie at the New Beverly, if I, you live in Los Angeles, <laughs> not to get to reach, I'm spot. going Tuesday. You're gonna go Tuesday. Um, I'm going the day after this releases. I'll be yes. going at the end of the month. When hell yeah, when you attend the New Beverly Cinema in general, there are. There's a themed little pre-show. There's there's a short or a cartoon or a when music the drive-through plays that. Yes. Um. And then there will be a couple of trailers. Sometimes there are trailers for things that are playing at the New Beverly soon. Sometimes they're just thematically chosen trailers to match the film you're watching. When I saw this film at the New Beverly, the short was an episode of what's a serial? The, Bounty Law. 
Like Real, a full episode. No, it's like it's like six minutes. Oh wait, of, but of like of footage Tar- cut together that's not in the oh, movie. That's cool. That's yeah. amazing. And they have multiples is Tim of Roth those. In it? No, but Michael Madsen is, and he's not uh, in the movie. He is did in you the movie. see? Oh, did you see in, in the credits that Tim Ross? Yes. Yeah. It says edited cut, or yeah. whatever cut. Yeah. Um, and then look, the, I would the, like the, to see it. The mm-hmm. trailers were Rosemary's Baby. I forget what the name of the movie is, but the Joe Namath movie that is the trailer that. Margot Robbie is walking into the theater, is playing in yes. the background. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And With then, Anne Margaret. Yeah. And then a trailer for The Wrecking Crew, which is the movie that she's in. Yeah, so that she good. watches. Mm-hmm. That, I mean. I'll tell you what. Daniel, you your log said it, but we'll get to we'll that We'll talk scene. about it when we talk about it, because the Sharon stuff in this movie, I think, is should I, sublime. Should I say what this movie's about? Please. Yeah. <laughs> 70 minutes into this episode, I'll yeah, give sure. a plot. <laughs> this, we do have to outpace two hours and 41 minutes. So this we got movie is about... Obsolescence. Um, I'm I'm looking for character names in my head. Uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. The other one. Cliff and Rick. Rick Dalton. Rick Rick Dalton Dalton. is a is a washed up TV western actor, and he's made a couple movies. He's not really doing anything. He's playing the he's playing the heavy in a bunch of random one off episodes right now, and he has his old stunt double Cliff Booth is now just like his assistant, basically. And they're trying to trying to make their way in Hollywood. Meanwhile, next door are Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. and Rick Dalton is very starstruck by them and feels a little threatened. And feels threatened. And then you know, if you know the story of Sharon Tate, the Mansons become involved. Why do we refer to them as a family? Because that's do what they, they refer to themselves. Is that? Cult. I couldn't family. remember that. Yeah. I believe they call, refer to themselves as a family. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Mansons get involved and in, in, in life. Ask Karina Longworth. I don't know. Yeah. Listen to the Karina Longworth. <laughs> you must remember this miniseries. Um, Maybe the best podcast series I've ever listened possible. to. Which feels like old hat at this point. Yeah, but it, but is it really truly is. Great. Um, and m- murdered Sharon Tate, among others. Yes, among others. Yeah. And he alters his. Here's and this my, is a revisionist history on that. So here's my question, and this is not a critique of the film, mm-hmm. because I've now that I've seen it, I've read a little bit of the takes. Like not not the Twitter takes, I've read some reviews. And there's this idea that like Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth like stopped the Mansons from ever entering the real record of history. To which I want to say, what happened to the La Biancas? Well, they wasn't it the same couple people that did both murders? I don't think so. Because it was the next night. I thought it, it wasn't. The no, same no, no, no. I thought Charlie was at the La Bianca murder. Again, ask Karina Longworth, not yeah. me. So, yeah, I could be wrong. I, I thought it was the same group. Of but anyway, a this, is, this is all to say I don't think that Tarantino and I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna try and only speak in like declarative and positive statements mm-hmm. rather than like trying to rebut things that I've heard because that's not really that interesting. But I don't really think that what Tarantino was getting at in this movie is that like these two guys because they were tripping on acid and drunk on whiskey sours like. Turn the tides of history. Like, I do think he's intentionally trying to remove the memory of Charles Manson. From I, yeah. And no, no, and try, and Which try, is a little different than what you're saying, yes, but yeah, yeah, that's, yes. I and, think that's the and, intent. And preserve the memory of Sharon Tate, not mm-hmm. as a victim or a corpse, but yeah. as a living, breathing human being who experienced joy, mm-hmm. pride in her work, mm-hmm. and being able to get a, get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is beautiful. We never yes. are yeah. introduced... To Charles Manson. We see him for a minute. We see him yep. for a second. They reference him by name. Which actually happened. Like once or twice. Right. He right. just pop by. Um, and that 
they're like, is Charlie here? And oh, he went to Santa Barbara with the group, and blah, blah, blah. like that's it. And it it it's a, Jeffrey McCran, fellow film fag, and I have talked a bit about the, how it is really effective at removing his power from the yeah. whole situation. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, his power is there in that scene on Spawn mm-hmm. Ranch, mm-hmm. but it no one ever refers to him as Charlie Manson. They don't refer to themselves as Manson Girls. Mm-hmm. Manson is gone completely. It's yeah. all first names. Mm-hmm. And there's something eerie about that power. Like, who is this Charlie guy that they're all referred to? We, of course, know through history. But the way that Tarantino is building up, he's sort of this. We don't know that Charlie is the guy who was in Sharon Tate's driveway. Or right. You don't film. necessarily unless you already know. Yeah. Which adds this sort of mysterious and This uh, is a very terrifying... good horror movie. Yeah. I mean, I think that. That, that Spawn Ranch scene that's is haunting so and tense. funny. Yes. I love that scene. Sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of the best things Tarantino's done. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. How much did you guys know? Sorry, I'm going to talk about the discourse mm-hmm. for just a second. How much did you guys know about the history of the murders? Because I knew nothing. Again, listen to Karina Longworth's podcast. Right. So, and, uh, you know, I could I could follow every frame, but like yeah. there's there's chatter where it's like, wow, if you don't know about the murders, like you're lost. That's, no, like, no, 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 but that's not the point. He, yeah. Like what Ben was saying, that he's trying to remove Manson from like the national imagination by just making these a bunch of misled and psychotic young people who right. are under the influence of a cult leader and psychedelic drugs living out in the desert. He wants us to understand it the way that Rick and Frank Exactly. Understand it. So that's why that take doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I want to say. I've seen that take and I'm just like, I don't care. I mean, I know, I would say I know a lot about the murders, but I don't know, like, I'm not like a junkie. Mm -hmm. Like when Tex showed up, uh, what's his last name? Avery. Tex Avery. Like when when they're like, Tex is over there. I'm like, oh yeah, Tex Uh Avery is one of the people who killed Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. I kept waiting for like Tuck Watkins to show up, uh, I believe is one of the other people. Um, I, you know, I know some of the names in the history. Obviously, Tex Avery from... is the Looney Tunes guy. No, that's what I it's thought. Tex Watkins it's te- thank is you. the name. Thank you. Because I keep thinking Tex Avery as well. Yeah. And then when you said it, I'm like, oh, okay, so I guess it is that. But and I, when yeah. you said Watkins, I was yeah. like, wait, I'm, I'm And I wrong. think Tuck Watkins is an actor. Great. So Tex We Watkins. got there. Tex Watkins. I wasn't expecting a pregnant Connie Stevens to show up on Spawn Ranch. <laughs> that that I loved that moment. That was fun. Loved that moment. There was a lot of good little spawn ranch things dakota stern bruce stern dakota's great what i love about a squeaky what i love about tarantino movies is that the cast is going to be 30 fold Mm -hmm. but only four people are going to be in more than one scene right and he gives all these individual actors moments to shine and really meaty tense pieces of dialogue Mm -hmm. like dialogue exchange and very like like the situation itself of squeaky like lording over the living room and then having the really terse tense conversation between mm-hmm. cliff behind the screen door mm-hmm. it's intriguingly filmed the dialogue is great the, the character's motivations are compelling mm-hmm. but she's dakota's face is on the screen for one two hundredth of yeah. the film's runtime and yet she leaves an impact in the same the way, way she flips the lock when yeah he, when she's yeah. finally yeah, gonna let him come great. in it's yeah. great and uh did you but it's ben. like Chris Tucker and Jackie Brown. You know, he mm-hmm. gets really one scene, mm-hmm. makes an impact. But again, he's in one two hundredth of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is his power to cast these people. Yeah. But I just love what... Obviously, when you talk about Tarantino, you talk about Star Image in a way mm-hmm. when it comes to his casting. Because with the John Travolta resurgence myth. Mm-hmm. And even like Lawrence Tierney and Reservoir Dogs, it's always been baked into the DNA how he's shifting your 
expectations of an actor for the role and because he's a successful filmmaker he has the ability to cast stars in those roles yeah but all of his films are in dialogue with film history in that mm -hmm. way and so yeah. in this film it's made even more explicit uh, that's all and, and I, I mean and it, I think this has been covered now but just the very clever casting of all of the Manson girls as the daughters of uh, famous artists famous or rich people yeah mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Lena. That's why Lena's Lena, there. Lena, Maya Hawk, Margaret uh, Quayley, uh, uh, Rumor Willis, who Kat, is, Harley Quinn who Smith. Who is who's the eldest, better things daughter, a sibling, or a, a descendant Her of? Her name is Mikey Madison. Oh, is she Michael Madison's daughter? Probably. No, but, that's, it's not Madison. It's Madison. Oh, okay. Okay. I haven't watched Stranger Things season three. Which one's Maya Hawk? I haven't seen it either, so I don't know. But which one is she I in the movie? I think she's the one with the shorter blonde hair that Dakota makes go stand at the door and watch Brad Pitt. She has a very I think that's her. I'll, I'll have to But very her. clever casting because yes. yeah. so many people, like so many, like the, the rich who were being targeted, like whether in the creepy crawly shit or like they were so terrified of their youth being corrupted, not just by the idea of Manson or this lingering violence that was casting a chat Paul over the Hollywood Hills, but just the idea of the uh, like hate Ashbury of it all being this sort of corrupting force that um, they were all scared. Like their kids were going to join. So I just, I think that's clever casting and in mm -hmm. dialogue with film history in a way yeah. that I find clever and they're all great. I think Lena Dunham's fucking great. In this she movie. is really good. Yeah. This doesn't say if Maggie Madison doesn't have famous parents, but she's from LA, so she's just rich. Yeah. Right. It might not be literally every single one. Yeah. Right, but I, I get the point. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them. I mean, she probably she certainly comes from privilege if she's in I a mean, when I, movie when I saw her in the lineup of Manson Girls, I was uh -huh. like, Oh, good for her. And then she has that. And then she she's literally the person. She's literally Sadie. She's Sadie. She does the murder. Yeah. I, I don't want to talk. I was going to say something, and I'm not going to go there. Um, do it. No, I'm not going to talk about misogyny in Tarantino. I'm going to leave that for other people oh, sure. who are more qualified. Sure. Um, Where should we go then? Because that's I, the only place to go. I know. The now, only I'm like, place now I'm like, now I have to say it, but I'm not going to. Um, but let's let's go back to the beginning of the film. Okay. Sure. Great. Please. Back to the beginning. The movie takes place. Across three days, mm -hmm. in the same year, we're in we're in two days in February, and we're like in a little bit of a prologue day, and then like two thirds of the movie takes place on this one day, and they're all the three main characters. Sharon Tate is watching Rick herself, and Cliff are like on their separate Cliff is adventures. On Spawn Ranch. Rick and is Rick is, Rick is working. Rick is getting his zhuzh back. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got to talk about that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Timothy of Elephant. And Sharon scene. is what, going to see herself in a movie. The Wrecking Crew. And While her, her husband is. Can, so we're gonna talk, are we going to talk about that sequence? Let's Can talk I about say something. To let's open talk up? about that. Yeah. Okay. So I remain deeply in awe of the way that Tarantino is able to capture something that only cinema can do, which is bend time and space through editing and narrative and structure. Right. So. Sharon Tate's story takes place over like two and a half hours. Cliff's story probably takes place over like six. Uh -huh. And then we are in the minutia, like the, the nitty gritty yeah. of Rick's day from when he arrives on set to when he yeah. leaves. Yet all of this is intercut together. And at the end of all of their stories, the sun is going down. Yeah. But while, while Rick is like berating himself in the trailer, 
doing his first scene in makeup, mm-hmm. having the conversation with the director, like being told it's the best acting that, that the little girl has ever seen. <laughs> that does not take place over the hour and 40 minutes of the wrecking crew. Or All of that is taking place like while Brad Pitt is still fixing, fixing the, 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 the antenna. antenna. Yep. <laughs> and so I just, yeah. Tarantino mm-hmm. is so skilled at warping time and space, which is why like when... It follows an emotional logic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when and when he says that he wants to stop making movies and like become a playwright or a novelist, I'm like, but you can't really do those things and that's what I think he's best at. Yeah. I've always thought he's a better filmmaker than... I mean, writing is filmmaking. Have you read his scripts? But, yeah. I don't love reading his scripts because the scene description is so self-involved yes and in love with itself yes and so indulgent mm-hmm. and that's but okay his, but I'm, it's, I'm not it's his scripts that always win which is yeah. funny yeah well but, they win for the dialogue sure but um I, I think they win more for the dialogue than the structure which i sure. think is almost more compelling than the very yeah. good dialogue mm-hmm. but so much of like what i think people think is good writing in his movies is just direction mm-hmm. and it's just because he's doing both it's complicated and the line is blurry but like so much of it is like Yes, this moment is in the script because it's happening, but it's because the camera's there that this is a moment in the movie. And because the camera is where it is. Because mm-hmm. in the hands of a lesser filmmaker, the camera wouldn't be right there. That's right. I think this is his most generous film. Mm-hmm. And I have yes. a lot to say about that, but I, I've been, we've been talking on my points. So on that sequence, what do you guys want to say? I, I'll just jump off that and say what I said to Ben before you had seen the, the film, Daniel, is... I'm gonna try to articulate it better, but I'm not gonna be able to. I think this is this this is not true, but I think for me watching this, it's it's Tarantino burying his soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know he said this isn't. People say this is your most personal film. And it's like he'll say he's also said, he's said every film is his most personal film. Yeah. So that's no, no, a moot th- point. I think that he has said on this film that it, he's put the most of but, himself in it. But it just it just feels like and Ask I know Karina Longworth. I don't know. Yeah, right. And I I, I would say it's probably in a, in a way it's probably his most autobiographical because it's like literally thing he wasn't there, but there are like moments of his life that matter. Of his childhood, that right? Are well, and and, and and again in the Amy Nicholson thing that that porn theater that I mentioned earlier, he recreates that in the film at one point. That's so yes, exactly. Which makes this sort of his Amar Corps. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is late Tarantino in the same way that yes. Fellini I, was doing yeah. And I said that to Ben. I I said this feels like late Tarantino. Yeah. Because it's it's him just showing himself it's, like it's, it's restrained in a weird way. Yeah. The dialogue is not nearly as self-satisfied. Mm-hmm. Nope. But I still think it's compelling. And I've seen critiques that like, well, it's not Tarantino dialogue. And I'm like, well, it's, it is. that's the, it's pro- just that's the problem in, in my opinion with hateful eight and Django Unchained is that he's trying too hard to be quotable. He's trying too hard to add every verbal curly cue at the end yeah. of every line. Right. And in this, he actually lets people talk like people, but how still, many times have you seen Django? Three times. Oh, okay, because I was gonna say this. This was just the second time I watched it, and I was like, it works a lot better for me. Have, I like, like the, have I like the movie. Getting years great. of distance. See, I just need to see it again because I am sure that my perspective has changed on the idea of Tarantino telling this specific story. Mm-hmm. But I remember really loving it when it came out. But I do think it's kind of absurd that it won the Oscar for best screenplay. Isn't this the first movie? I'm sure, I don't know how I'd feel about it now. So is I'm this the first movie since him taking over the new Bev? No. No, he had it at Hateful Eight. Eight. Hateful Eight took over the theater in the same way that Hollywood is now. Right. Yeah. But I I don't know. I was saying this to Ben, but I still don't know how to phrase it exactly. But this just feels like the film version of the passion and love he throws into 
the new Beverly. Beverly programming? Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Programming I mean, and just the whole aesthetic of, of old Hollywood. I don't for know. me, yeah. what really sticks out on that idea and stood out for me when I was watching the film is the second scene that Rick is shooting on the Western set where he forgets his line and then the camera has to reset. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you can tell there's a great amount of glee that the person behind that camera is taking in just that swoop around the table and the reset and the going again. Yeah. And that, to me, perfectly encapsulates Tarantino's love of filmmaking and his love of this older form, like this yeah. older form of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And all, but also, you know, I, you could you could you could ask the question of whether that uh, that uh, what would you call that, Ben? It's not a tracking shot, but it's just that camera. Yeah, it is. It's a dolly. Shot. A, a do- Thank you. Like that 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 dolly spin like around the table. Whether that would even be in the verbal or the visual vocabulary of that type of serial. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's a good point. But even if it's not, then my point is even stronger because I'm saying like it's a fusion of those two loves together, the, the love of filmmaking and the love of this different type of form. Yeah. It's like, I mean, those TV shows were probably not shot that way. He's shooting them like they weren't shot with Sergio Leone. Yeah. Yeah. Would have shot these things. I really and again i'm trying not to frame it in this way but i take umbrage at the idea that this is tarantino's idea of make america great again i have not seen a take like oh i've not the, seen the that. idea that tarantino is pining for this simpler time when we made movies in a different way and when mm-hmm. we celebrated the art form in a different way and how he's like celebrating i think there's a difference between celebrating the hard work of what is in effect a bad form of storytelling in these serialized westerns and saying that this was the height of american storytelling in yeah. Hollywood, which I just do not think is what he's saying at all. And I like, you know, people point out how blindingly white the film is and how it seems to erase like, a, you know, people of color, especially Latinos and black people in LA at the time. But I view it similarly to how I view a lot of Sofia Coppola movies, which is that like the whiteness itself is a commentary. Mm-hmm. Like he's talking like, there's a lot in this film about how insular that world of Hollywood And I would is. say, look at literally his entire filmography no i would too I would and just too. to be like this that's clearly a choice here no no you yeah know? no it's, it's yes. the idea that it's not a choice yes. yeah and is i just it is okay if tarantino is not your bag mm-hmm. if you don't like his style as a filmmaker you don't like who he is as a person you have that prerogative and that's great that like i'm not i'm not trying to be one of those people who's like you have to like this and if you don't mm-hmm. like it you're wrong and you don't appreciate blah 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 not what i'm saying at all but the idea that like he just forgot to include yeah. like people of people who are non-white in the film, when you consider the the sort of the Hollywood club he's building, the point yeah. that Rick makes in the beginning, like I live next to the director of Rosemary's Baby and Sharon Tate, and like that is my power. It's mm-hmm. the idea of keeping your your power resides in being inside the club, and the club at that time was predominantly white in a way that Hollywood still is in a lot of ways. When they're in and the so, parking lot, it's a commentary, is all I'm trying to say. Cliff yeah. literally says. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. No, and this because is... it's like he is pointing out that this is a movie about this like white white supremacy, powerful enclave. I agree, and it's like um, it, it's not just I, I. That moment I think is is really crucial because Tarantino has also never been a filmmaker who is endorsing the behavior of his characters, mm-hmm. and in that moment, and then also like I when, think that's where the crit all a lot of his critics I would say are just wrong. Because a lot of them read it as endorsement, and I yeah. just think that is wrong. In yeah. All no, of I think so, I think it's yep. building. I think it's building a texture, like a wrinkle of this world, which mm-hmm. is that it is built upon white supremacy mm-hmm. in the way that everything in America is, but especially business and enterprise, and that's mm-hmm. what Hollywood is. Mm-hmm. And so, when we glamorize this time, understand that this is also a big undercurrent of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. 
And also, like, you know, Leo's character says, like, a few derogatory things throughout the film, and he yeah. improvs that line uh, about the Boston character. Mm-hmm. And and then the director afterwards is like, that was brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. Tarantino is not saying, like, that zinger is an iconic moment yeah. of uh, on-screen name-calling. Mm-hmm. He's, he's showing how normalized that type of bigotry was in the business. And yeah. I'm not saying that that's what the movie is about. Yeah. But it's, but it's possi- ingrained But it's possible in... that this movie is about a hundred different things mm-hmm. that all sort of circle around, like, I would say obsolescence and a couple mm-hmm. other things. But, you know, I just... That's just how I feel about it. And so, again... I saw I'm someone just... tweet the other day, not about this movie, but just in general, that, like... It, a crazy criticism is this movie's about too many different things, and I sort of agree. Just like, why can't a movie be about a hundred million things? I mean, look like, at us. I think also that's what, I think that's what they were talking things. about. That like, it's crazy that people would say it's a problem to be about too many things. Well, it's because we demand a streamlined type of storytelling now, mm-hmm. which is funny because I would say the 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 standard bearer for that is the Marvel movies, even mm-hmm. though those are all about interconnected stories and an yeah. expansive universe, but the goal is simple. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to capture an infinity stone. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, they're completely convoluted because I don't understand how all the other strands get to that. But if your movie is not about chasing one thing, I think these days a lot of people think that you have failed to tell a coherent story because mm-hmm. it is not about a simple uh, through line of intent for your characters. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no objective in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, it's it's largely plotless. Totally. Which is fine. Is. And I don't I say I don't say I don't say plotless as a negative. No. No. I say plotless as honestly a feat. I mean, good great. I mean, I am enthralled. I don't think he's ever done that in this way. No. Because no. even like even, even Pulp Fiction. Bra- even Pulp Fiction or Jackie, Jackie Brown. Bra- any any have of multiple his, MacGuffins. Uh-huh. Even like Death Proof, which is largely a hangout movie. Yeah. But like, that movie has very clear objectives. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just thinking of like I mean Reservoir. I, I and like all of his movies at least Django like even while like, a hangout movie. And Kill Bill, the revenge movies are the most like yeah. there's a directive. But, but Reservoir Dogs is an interesting example because that movie was so striking at the time because it's about aftermath. It skipped the heist and went to mm-hmm. what happens after they failed mm-hmm. through like flashbacks and yeah. But there's still a main tension to the film, which is are they going to be caught mm-hmm. and who is the mole yeah mm-hmm. you know there's no mole in this film yeah and i like the 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 reason why cliff is able to murder the mansons mm-hmm. while he is tripping on acid and the reason why leo is able to come out and save the day with the flamethrower is because the entire movie they have been fighting against a force which wants to diminish them and they finally have a moment to show their value like as artists as men frankly they get to live their lives as if they're in the movies in that mm -hmm. final climax yes and they get to be the heroes because Mm -hmm. that's something that rick is struggling with in the beginning of the film and that pacino's character says really well to him like you are you're now the villain and and you are existing to be punched down and punched down and punched down you will your star image now means something less heroic and less potent than Mm -hmm. the next leading man who's going to punch you down to the ground so at the end of the film they get to they get to use their their potency their flamethrower yeah and so it's like they get to be the heroes but it's also important to realize and i love the way the movie handles this they don't know that they just stopped the murder of Sharon Tate. They, right. they don't know that they just, and, and three other people, they don't know that they just, you know, like I was saying earlier, I think it's complicated on this point, but they, they have changed the tides of history. Mm-hmm. There was an invasion in their home. Mm-hmm. They didn't, like, because they took them out so swiftly, they didn't even view them that much as a threat. Right. So this was just like a matter of it was home just invasion. A, it was just a quirky night. Yeah. It was just a it was weird of, night. It was the end of a party. Just a weird night. And we got f- some people showed up in my house and I killed them. Yeah. 
and, crazy. And it's like a crazy night. <laughs> the idea of this movie being plotless, like I do, I've said five minutes ago, like it's plotless, mm-hmm. which I do think it is. But you have to look at the Sharon Tate. That's the narrative. Like that's where it's going. You know what I mean? Right. Like you know, like if you know this because movie's you about, know you know the murders Tate. are coming. Like you know. You're waiting, basically. Well, I don't know. The, the, a couple of things. We could talk for two hours about the way that Sharon Tate is portrayed in this movie. Mm-hmm. But you go into this movie knowing that Sharon Tate will die at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And so watching her go to the movie theater, go to parties, hang out with her friends, have dinner at El Coyote, it is all in this melancholic go- uh, uh, like shimmer, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, sorry, um, that these are her final days, her and it's final moments. possibly chic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> But the point is, is Tarantino knows you're going to watch it mm-hmm. as sort of a testament to this martyr figure, to this victim. Mm-hmm. And when she doesn't die, you realize he really was just celebrating this woman's ascendancy, yeah. being sure of herself, mm-hmm. and having a good time. And by doing that, he completely reclaimed Sharon Tate's place yes. in history. Mm-hmm. Daniel, did you predict... Which is why that's my favorite moment of the probably of the year in any movie. Yeah. Which Same. we can talk more about later. Did you predict that he was going to do a, a revisionist history thing and let her live? I figured that was going to happen, but I never thought that they were going to instead break into Leonardo DiCaprio's house. Mm. I, yeah. I thought that like Leo, I thought that they that, would come in and save the day. Yes. Which I was like, sure. eh, I don't know about that. But here's like the other thing, like when it comes and, and this is another conversation we can have for hours, but the violence against the Mansons in the house. Imagine that this movie ends the way that history happened. Mm-hmm. By watching these people murder Sharon Tate, J.C. Bring, and I'm sorry, but the other two people in the house, I can't remember their names. You as the an Folger o- heiress you and as her a, friend. Yeah, you as yeah. an audience would be shaking in your seat for, for somebody to come in and frankly kill all of those people and mm-hmm. save our characters. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what happens. But Tarantino yes. is once again challenging an audience's relationship to bloodlust mm-hmm. because it's very, I mean, it, parts of that scene are very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Oh, like when, yeah. when Brad is repeatedly smashing that one girl's head into the telephone, into the mm-hmm. fireplace, in a way that is provocative, absolutely, and like even makes me go like, okay, calm down for a second. I don't mm-hmm. like seeing the violence against women here. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he's trying to make you, one, question your relationship to bloodlust. Yes. And two, just when you consider when you consider how you as a viewer would have felt had mm-hmm. history actually happened on mm-hmm. screen, wouldn't you on some level be wanting that? Yes. And yeah. I, I just think that's no, very that's... smart. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I absolutely understand why that is triggering, to see like a strong man, right. I was, like Brad I was... Pitt... Uh, beat up women. It is brutal to watch. That. No, I, I was that. shaking. Yeah, it's I was an, visually it's a very shaking because it, it's disturbing. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. Like, don't you want that justice? Sorry. And no, and, no, and, and it's not a matter of like being like that. Justice is correct. Like he's not he's not advocating for like a vigilante style of justice, like yeah. as the way that it should be wrought out, right? But on some like at the end of Inglorious Bastards, when the Nazis all get torched. Again, I, I mean, it's really disturbing, but it's also like, fuck, yeah, Hitler. That is, I feel no complicated feelings about. Well, no, 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 no. That's let me different. Fin- let, me, let me finish what the I'm saying. The end of this one's a little more. No, let me yeah. finish what I'm saying. The images themselves are disturbing and grotesque. They're a little yeah. more cartoony. Yeah. But it's also Hitler who's yes. being killed, right? Mm-hmm. But I think in this movie, I think it's a little more dark, rich, layered, complicated, and it nuanced. Is. And mm-hmm. that's what makes it so fascinating. And in a way, I almost respect him more for the ending of this film than I do in Glorious yeah. Bastards because yeah. it is so much more complicated and there are so many issues built into yeah. it. Yeah, it's like they're... 
my audience was like cheering and very excited and I think that a lot of people just take it on that uh, surface visceral level whereas my feeling was just like I don't want to watch this, but I know that this is what has to happen. Yes. And like, I know that this is the right thing to happen. In but like, it's disturbing. And like, this is actually the, the the proper, like, this is the moral answer to yeah. this. I didn't like watching it either. But I didn't want to watch it. And then it's over and it like, it doesn't feel good to me. No. In the way that in Glorious Bastards, I am just like, like, I can, I need I mean, a cigarette yes. now. Tor- but- torching, when he walks out with the flamethrower. And torches Sadie. And tor- I mean, that is like, it's disturbing, but it's, it's so yeah. It's disturbing, mm-hmm. but I, it's but, also funny. But let me say though, it's complicated. Starring Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin. Yes. Let me say something though about the ending of *Inglorious Bastards* as mm-hmm. well, which is that Tarantino is drawing a direct contrast to the Nazis in the theater watching the film of the sniper taking out all the Allied forces, and they are cheering and whooping and hollering. Mm-hmm. And then you, as an audience, once the Nazis are getting it, yeah. are cheering, whooping, and hollering. And uh-huh. he is drawing a direct parallel to that, yes, and making you question your relationship to. Righteous or not, bloodshed on or bloodlust and bloodshed on That's screen. That's true. Um, and I think this movie is a little funny enough because it's about Hollywood and filmmaking on some level. It, I don't think it's the same intertextual relationship, but it is still, he is still, there is still a confrontation between audience, between spectator and image mm-hmm. that I just find really fascinating. And I'm sure something that I thought I would, about. Pre- I would like to, he- like, I, you know, we're a bunch of guys. Yeah. Like, I think it would be different. Like, what if, what if the what if the uh, the Manson family there were all like sissies? You yeah. know what I mean? How would we feel about it? Then? Right. You know. So I'm not dismissing any notions against violence against women in this film, and that like they're Mansons. Like right. get over it. That's not what I'm saying. But again, I think that he knows. I'm not. I think he knows what he's doing. By which I'm not saying he's absolutely right. I think he knows exactly which bushin, bushins, which buttons he's pushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's allowed to happen in filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I, it's, I was wondering yeah, fascinating. when yeah. Sadie in the car is like, uh, you know, we grew up watching TV and everything on TV is violence and we want to kill the people who taught us violence. I wonder if that is how Quentin Tarantino feels deep in his heart. I wondered that too. That yes. he feels he was broken by being a latchkey kid, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, that, that speech she gives. Uh-huh. And I was, I mean, that's when I was like, Hell yeah, Elvis! Yeah. Better things, daughter. She, That's her moment. Uh, yeah, she gets. She, yeah, she gets torched. She gets point. She gets torches in the torched in the pool. But like, that's her scene. Yes. That's her moment. That speech is mm-hmm. the theme of. Mm-hmm. the last act of the movie and Tarantino knows that. I mean, he's made nine movies at this point. He is one of the few filmmakers like Scorsese, Tarantino. Um, F- filmmakers who can put their name above the title, mm-hmm. uh, they, they can brand it as a Tarantino picture, and you know exactly mm-hmm. what you're going to get and what you're going to and get. That's the brand. Is gruesome, over the top violence, P- relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And when you are watching a two hour and forty one minute Tarantino movie, and you get a moment where Brad Pitt beats up a hippie for slashing his tire, but mm-hmm. apart from that, not much violence, just the threat of violence. And you're violence, waiting. You're for waiting that. for it. You are waiting for that. Release. You're waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the intertextual dialogue is there. Yeah. Yes. Because if this movie was a Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. where there was no extreme violence, you'd be like, "There's some extreme what violence, gives? but it's, it's not like it's not like heads getting it, blown yeah, off." Yeah, it's not. I mean, the Jack- cartoonish right. violence of Jackie later. Brown. I mean, yeah, like I Robert mean, there's, there's Bridget Fonda. Yeah, and, and there's uh, murder Chris Tucker, in it. and yeah, yeah, but like there's not someone getting their head bashed in. Yeah. Well, no, but I it's think, like I off-screen think, shooting. I think it's that, not. Hitler's face getting <laughs> machine gunned in, <laughs> into putty. Skip, skip forward 30 seconds if you haven't seen Jackie Brown. 
But I think that Bridget Fonda's death is extremely disturbing. It is. In Jackie Brown. The way that Robert Sr. just turns around and shoots her in the chest and she's gone. I think that's Well, very, it's off screen. It's not off screen. It's on screen. Like, she, she falls out of frame. Oh, sure. When she gets yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. And that is, I think that's, in, in a way, is sort of instructive to the Brad Pitt killing his wife or not mm. killing his wife moment where Tarantino, oh, the flashback Tarantino, within a flashback. Tarantino's not endorsing the act. Yeah. And if you laugh at it, I think that you have to sort of question mm-hmm. why you're laughing at it. Yeah. That is the one of my few critiques with the film, which is that I don't love the flashback on the boat, mm-hmm. even though I think that Brad Pitt is dressed very funny in his scuba outfit. Mm-hmm. I don't like that his wife is sort of portrayed as a shrew yeah. and a nag, and that that sort of justifies the death, mm-hmm. even though we don't know if he actually did it. Right. But that's a beat. That again, it's complicated. Did you read Cameron Austin Collins's piece? No, I he didn't. He said he Good. has a little. He doesn't really get into it, but he just mentions that like. Why, why does Sharon's life get to be reclaimed, but this woman's doesn't? And that's extremely a, fair point. It's and, a very and again, fair point. That's my probably my biggest critique of the film. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really don't like that beat. Even though I'm, I'm okay with his character having done terrible things, yeah, because I've seen a bunch of Tarantino. I've seen all the Tarantino movies, and I have watched compulsively watchable characters like Ordell Roby, mm-hmm. who are monsters, yeah. and yet you can't take your eyes off them because mm-hmm. of the way Tarantino is presenting them on screen and the actors are bringing them to life with such charisma. Mm-hmm. That's something that's really tricky and fascinating yeah. about it. It is work. a strange moment. Yeah, I just th- I don't like that moment. Yeah, yeah, I I think I still grapple with that. I just like that it's a flashback within a flashback. No, and that well, is that, that is, is fantastic. Yeah. That, 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 the, the fact that we flash yes. back to him on the roof and you're like, oh, fuck. It is so <laughs> fucking funny. He is up there fixing the antenna and he's thinking to himself like, God, if Rick is my friend, like, why isn't he trying to get me this piece of work? And then you like hear, uh, you hear Leo's voice say what he just said, which is like, well, Randy's working on this movie and you know Randy's wife and blah, 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 blah. And then we don't get like a fade to a dream. We just cut to Brad Pitt in the same clothes, I think. No, like he's wearing a different Similar clothes. Yeah. But like I uh, thought it was uh, just the next day. I did too. The only clue that it's that it might not be, or it might not be that same day, is that Leo is wearing a tuxedo and not like the fringe jacket and the wig. And then it's this whole digression, and then it ends with Brad Pitt back on the roof just going, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean I that that, that really includes good. the entire Bruce Lee thing. That includes yeah. uh, Zoe Bell showing up. Yeah. It and includes I, the whole. It's the like twenty minutes. And I, yeah. I will I, I will say about the Bruce Lee stuff. I'm actually not going to comment on it one way or another. But oh, there's a piece in the LA yeah. Times. If that was something that offended you or that you were having trouble with, Jin Yamato wrote a pretty good piece in the LA Times, which grapples with that. So I don't, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah white guy Mm -hmm. but if you want to read an asian american perspective on that scene that includes all the quotes from bruce lee's daughter read the genuine piece in the la times yeah that's that on that And I'll be fine. I know that you want to. And 
anyway, so um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, in in oh, talk about the talk about the um, the Sharon Tate intercom moment. Oh, okay, all right, <laughs> here we go. So, the moment that I just started openly weeping is at the mm-hmm. end of this movie. Rick Dalton is saying goodbye to the cops and Cliff has been taken away by the ambulance and he's just standing and J.C. Bring, Emile Hirsch, a secret MVP character actor of this film, yes. comes downstairs, downstairs, down the driveway, and he's like, dude, what happened? And Rick is like, we just killed some guys. <laughs> some guys just torched some lady in the pool. He literally says, I torched the last one. <laughs> And then JC brings like from the 14 hands or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. And he knows exactly. He knows. Oh, that's so funny. And then Sharon comes on the intercom because it's a gated house. And Sharon's like, Jay, what's happening? And Jay's like, oh, it's fine. I'm just talking to your neighbor. They had a break in. Rick Dalton. And she's like, Rick Dalton? And he is so moved mm-hmm. that she knows who he is and he like quietly inches toward the intercom and he yes, was like ma'am. yes it's me and she says so beautiful she says is everyone okay and he was just so touched and he was like thank you so much for asking that and i was literally so moved by this because this it's movie so moving among many other things this movie really to me comes down to a group of people who just want to be loved and tarantino is telling us it's okay to want to be loved and to want to be known and to want to be seen and that's part of like margot sharon going to watch this movie and wanting this sort of recognition and that's why rick wants to nail the role Mm -hmm. and it's why cliff he takes margaret quayley back to the ranch because he wants to be the hero yes yeah that and then then when he tries people want to matter yeah and then when he sees what's going on up there that's why he wants to talk to george spawn because Mm -hmm. he wants to save the day if Mm -hmm. possible do the right thing feel like he's like he matters that he has any impact and at the end of this movie what i think is great is that at the end, uh, it's not saying see Sharon Tate matters. It's she is a full human being who cares about other people. Like it's a very and like she, it's like it does like the the movie thing doesn't matter because she has like love in her life. She has Jay Sebring and Rick Dalton, and she are able to like have this connection right, right. over the intercom because she's dead in real life and right. i think that's part of why she doesn't come down but herself she, but she comes out at the end she of does. the film yeah but you don't see her face no you don't see anybody's mm-hmm. i don't it, think from the overhead shot I don't yeah know. yeah and it's just very it's just very touching yeah right I, I i but i do also think that in the idea that sharon tate is able to love it is also about her being able to love and celebrate herself mm-hmm. and it's not that sharon tate matters it's that she was a person mm-hmm. and that she was not simply a victim she had thoughts yes. she had feelings and that is all we know about her in the public consciousness now pretty and much. that's is, all is in that, that movie theater moment is, yeah is that she was sort of like an okay actress who mm-hmm. was in a couple small things her only real claim to fame and the wrecking uh, crew was not a good movie no that no, no, she's no. going to see and there are not a lot of it was not a hit yeah and but the, we only contextualize her in history as a being murdered by the manson family and b being roman polanski's wife yes and this movie reclaims her history when they drive up the first her... time rick is like holy shit it's roman polanski not holy shit it's Sharon exactly Tate. yeah exactly um and i you know I, I i would push back to anybody who thinks that like tarantino by by showing her experiencing 
again, like joy and pride in herself and like going and having fun and having friends and living her life that like she's somewhat simple minded. I would just remind you that she is the one who gave Roman Polanski test the Durbervilles. He then makes tests. And I think that and moment she, is... I just read it. No, and I think that moment is crucial only because I... Does she need to give a speech on what she liked about the book in order for Tarantino to have given her a rounded character? Right. She read the book and loved it. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm not saying that by inserting that moment, Tarantino's like, and she wasn't dumb. But, like, I do think, like, all of the Sharon Tate stuff has this sort of... um, like Also, as our friend Jeffrey McCran said, just, what is Sharon Tate going to come out and just monologue about the male gaze in this movie? Like, that's not... That's not who Sharon Tate was. Right, yeah. and that's not who Tarantino is. Yes. So right. that's not what this movie is right. going to be. And, yep. you know, I have heard some criticisms that, like, why doesn't Margot Robbie get to have any of that indelible Tarantino mm-hmm. dialogue? And I would argue that, like, not really anybody gets any of that no, indelible, no, quotable, it's, like, yeah. Tarantino dialogue. It's, it's, it's different. not that kind of movie. Yeah. No. And I think, frankly, that would be insincere. Yeah. The dialogue in this movie is different. Mm-hmm. It just is. And the, the, the whole tone feels, I don't know, Tarantino's doing something... It's a movie. Different. It is yeah. unlike let's, any movie he's ever. But made. let's talk. Yes. But let's talk for a minute it, about what Margot Robbie is doing here. Mm-hmm. I mean, because she, she is she's exquisite in this film. She just she doesn't have to speak. She is luminous. The way that she but, is absolutely radiant. She will get a best supporting right, actress right. nomination. But it's more than that. Is that she's able to communicate an inner life. Mm-hmm. She's able to feel malaise, boredom, ecstasy pride like and this is all on margot robbie's face yes it's not through verbal cues mm-hmm. like it, it is the way that she acts and reacts on screen by herself it's the dancing scene it's the movie theater scene mm-hmm. yeah and i just when think she beautiful. puts on the record paul revere record mm-hmm. and she like does her little boom finger boom, dance yes. her finger dance yeah. it's just like this is a woman who is so Happy to be having an affair with Jay Sebring right now. Mar- and- Margot well, Robbie just happy to be alive, mm-hmm. and that you know, Margot has- Robbie is so good. I know. And the way that Sharon's like, oh, you don't think this is good because it's not like Jim Morrison or like whatever yeah. she says. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a woman with her own taste. Yeah, like, she's not afraid to enjoy that. Yeah, I just like I, I, um, I really love the characterization of Sharon Tate in this movie, and Thank I think you. it is half Tarantino and half Margot Robbie because mm-hmm. it's yes. an extremely difficult role to pull off the way that yeah. it's been written. And I think this is maybe Margot Robbie's best performance. Um, for me. For me. I would have to. Wolf of Wall Street is would, what you would, would think. Well, Wall yeah, Street. I would have to think about. I mean, I like Itania. This is the most acting I've ever seen Margot Robbie do. I mean, she's good in Itania. I just don't like that. Movie. I think she's great. And I think she's you know, so I, I she's still great. think Itania's her best, but I would. And I would have to rewatch Wolf. Do we think Brad Pitt is going to win an Oscar? Yes. I fully, yes. Yeah. I do too. He's going to win Best Sporting Actor. Yes. And Leo he, will get nominated. Sharon, or Margot Robbie Jesus will get nominated. Christ. I almost said Sharon. <laughs> the little girl, Robbie. as I tweeted, everyone <laughs> calls her girls. Sharon when they talk about this movie, and they call Brad and Leo Brad and Leo, yeah. which is which I think speaks to it's part, Sharon's it's, iconography. It's partly sexism. Do you so, think? Partly, yeah, I do. But I also think that she disappears into the role more than they do because see, I think that's what it is. No, I think it can. I think it can be both. I but think it's because the because name Sharon Tate. Brad and Leo have been soaked in the cultural bloodstream for so long mm-hmm. that like when we see them, we see that movie star and Mar- Margot is still a relatively fresh star. Mm-hmm. But I also think she quote unquote disappears into that role more than the other two. But I would also say that those two characters play much more into their own star personas. So how far can they disappear into it right. when they're playing a version of not themselves, but quote unquote themselves, the way that yeah. we understand them. We love Dyer on this podcast, like yeah. what they represent in, in their star image. 
When was the last time Al Pacino was in two Best Picture nominated movies in the same year? Because that's going to happen that's this year. That's true. With The Irishman. The Irishman. And this. Uh, and Brad's going to be trailer. in Dad Astra. And yeah, Dad Astra. Brad, do we think Brad could possibly get the actor and supporting actor nominations? And having I don't, I, don't, about Dad Astra. I don't think Dad Astra is going to hit enough to I, get yeah, him to no the best idea. actor. But who knows? I, I, Space lo- movies. A lot of people just think James Gray is very cold, so I don't know. I, mean, I if, disagree with. So do I. But. I mean, this might be the one that... What's the studio? It's Fox Searchlight, I think. They might, like be, they, able, they might be able to pull it out. And they moved it from May to September. They might be able to pull it Isn't out. Isn't it September? Because it's one of the last Because like Lost film. City of Z was like trying. They yeah. didn't get there. but So this might the, be the one. I don't think the filmmaker was trying to like get right. to Oscar no, prestige. But, the, but I'm surprised. Who, who released Lost City? I don't know. Participant? Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's an Amazon movie. Was it Plan B as well? I don't know. I don't remember. But I don't think Amazon. Yes, it was. I don't remember, right. but I don't think Amazon put a lot of muscle into the Oscar campaign. No. How the Lost City of Zed did not get a cinematography nomination. Yeah. Oh, is Zed. Wild. Zed. Wild. That, and, or it's editing. True. That movie was in my top 10 when we did that on the podcast. It's a good movie. Y'all are so fans. do we want to talk about Leonardo? <sighs> I mean. How far are we in this episode? Clock's ticking. We got to move on to homework. <laughs> Well, I mean, I could. This is. I'm more I mean, excited to talk about this movie than like any movie we've talked about on the podcast for a long time. I mean, let's talk about the performance. Yeah, let's talk about Leo and Brad for a minute. I don't have much to say about Leo. I think okay, I I do, because okay. <laughs> because you know I I like Leo fine. Mm-hmm. I think Leo, you know, I liked him, and you know, maybe the last time I really enjoyed him was Wolf of Wall Street. This so is good. this is. He's made one movie since then. Is that true, Revenant? Yes. Revenant. I think that's literally true. <laughs> He only okay, makes a well, movie every three or four years. I guess He's doing the DDL thing. Oh right. shit, that's right. Okay, well, remember when Daniel Day Lewis retired from acting? Mm. Lol. Um, I'm gonna make sure that that's right, but I think it is right. No, I think now that you say that, because it was like, like a year he did Django, Great Gatsby, Wolf of Wall Street, it, it and then it felt like it felt like there was a period off. where he was doing a lot. Yeah. So what I I think he's so I think what surprised me about him in this is how funny he is. Yeah. But he's also really funny in Wolf. Yeah. But it's a different type of humor. It's a different... This is the best he's been since Wolf, but apparently there's only one performance in between that. When and then the last time... The Revenant just really rubbed me the wrong way. When was the last time we saw movie. Leo play this kind of idiot? Because he's playing an idiot in Wolf of Wall Street, but his but idiocy is also his idiot. genius. And yeah. that's how his sin is rewarded in the movie, right? Yeah. Um, like his Machiavellianness and like devilish instincts, ironically, lead to his success. And that's where some of the humor comes in. Um, but I like Leo plays a great idiot, and we know Brad Pitt mm-hmm. can play a good idiot. But question. I just I, it feels like the way that the Coens love to make George Clooney into a bumbling buffoon mm-hmm. and Pitt as well. Like that's sort of what this Leo performance reminded me. Yeah. Of. I mean this is his I mean this might be like I just love this performance out of him so much and I, I don't think, think I can say that about Leo in most other things, I think the scene personally. in his trailer when he's beating himself up is both so funny and mm-hmm. so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That yeah, Brandon and you I were, were talking s- about how like in context that scene is so funny but also <laughs> sad doing the Vicky creeps it's so sad 
Um, and also hilarious. Like the, the the shot where he's talking to himself in the mirror and his reflection in the mirror is looking straight yes, at the camera. I yes. noticed that. It's funny in the same way that, and it's very sad, but it's very, it's funny in the same way that he has that poster parked out, or in front of uh-huh. his driveway. That fucking which poster. The more, it, it's like the tooth in Django Unchained dangling on top. Like the more you yeah. see it, the funnier it is. Uh-huh. Like yes. this weird Especially maniacal grimace. Yeah. But it's it, speaking the, of the face he's making in the mirror is the same one, and I think it's very the Amar yes. reference you made. Yeah, the comparison that we get. There's the the bounty law like teaser at the top of the movie, and mm-hmm. then the very next shot is an extreme close up of that the thing, the poster, yes. and then and we like pull, pull back pull into out, the yeah, car, the and list. that feels very Fellini to me. Totally. And I love that opening shot. It's it's so exciting to see a camera movement like that with like the, the pulling out, and then they get in the car, and then the car drives. This movie it's, costs so much money. Yeah, I mean, just the <laughs> fact that, that he so had to exciting. dress yeah. all yes. of L.A. <laughs> yeah, did you but, see? But that... I will say he dressed it very smartly and economically. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that the economics of this movie are extraordinary mm-hmm. and, and exorbitant. But he shoots very smartly in turn. Like I'm thinking yeah. of this this shot at the Bruin which is across from a Starbucks. And in the film, he's replaced the uh, the umbrellas outside mm-hmm. the tables, and obviously he's gotten rid of the Starbucks. And then across the street, he's added like a travel agency and everything. Mm-hmm. But we're talking half a block. Right. But it seems so expansive. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's very smart. It's the driving shots where he shows the most of the world. Yeah. And that's what really impresses me. Yeah. Those driving shots, I mean, those those are just going to go down as like... I had I was grinning like a fucking idiot when Brad Pitt went home at the end of the first mm-hmm. day, just throttling down the freeway, the windows down, the music blaring. It is so quintessentially LA. Mm-hmm. But it's also I love the focus on people driving, not simply because it's an LA movie and therefore to accurately portray it, people spend time in their cars, or there was no traffic then, so look how fun it was. But it's characters who feel like failures having these private moments the way that I'm sure we can all relate to. Anyone who drives a car can relate to. You are just in a crucible of your own shame, Mm -hmm. but also it's an opportunity to feel like you are harnessing freedom in some Mm -hmm. way. And so that's what moves me about those shots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just like the way that Tarantino sort of enlivens the mundane and gives it meaning in this film. Like he did not have to spend 25 minutes on a montage or not a montage, but 25 minutes of insert shots and funny sounds of Brad Pitt making mac and cheese and feeding yeah. his dog. Oh but it God. is very Jean Dielman in that way. Yes. And funny enough, a lot of this movie reminded me of Ackerman. It is so clearly Tarantino, mm-hmm. but just the emphasis on the mundane and how he lends it. Yes, exactly. The routines and rituals of these characters that how he lends them meaning. Uh, and how they are packed with the characters in our lives is so classic John Dealman to me. And I think it's best exemplified in the mac and cheese and dog food scene. Mm. It rem- that scene reminded me of the long goodbye, him feeding yeah. his cat oh, scene. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Another great L.A. movie. Should we move on? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's so much more to say about this movie that we all love, and I'm glad we all love it. I just but... I get tired. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so we each brought a Tarantino to the table. Mm-hmm. Who should begin? Let's let's go in chronological order. So we'll start with Pulp Fiction. Great. Party. I brought Jackie Brown. I did Pulp Fiction. Great. Let's hear um, it, bitch. I've, I've literally seen this movie a million times. Great. It's one of my most watched movies. I cannot assess it objectively in any way. So ranking it is very hard for me. I just Because it, it just levitates toward the top. It just is. It's just part of me. Yeah. It's a movie that... Which 
changed me? Which changed Which American chapter? Filmmaking Do you have like a favorite? Bruce Willis. Really? Period. For me, the one that sticks is the Uma John Travolta. I, I'd I, be between those two. I could watch an entire movie of just the Bruce Willis movie. Sure. And I could not do that with the others. Zed's dead, baby. Sure. Zed's dead. Um, and because I just, I just think it's like when he runs into Marcellus Wallace on the street and he has to, it's psycho. When I see a faggot, I floor it. Ah! <laughs> so good. <laughs> and he runs in him. And then Kathy Griffin runs. And she's like, I saw the, I saw the whole thing. By the way, Kate, Kate I my, forgot my, my she take, was in my, it. My take is that Kate Berlant in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the Kathy Griffin mm, of Pulp Fiction. Uh, and Julie Sweeney true. is also in Pulp That's Fiction. That's right. That's right. At the, at the rec yard. Mm-hmm. And she's going to own this whole thing someday. And they're like, that's nice. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, but Alrighty. there's just like very bodily quality to like that car crash and then Marcellus gets up and he's got his gun and he's like lurching over to get to Bruce Willis who's still in the car I just love that shit I also really like boxing movies and that's like oh you are a boxing and that's fan. a boxing tangential well, and story you get it the is. I, and, and it's like Raymond Chandler like mm-hmm. the the fixed yes. the fixed fight and that you he accidentally killed someone in the ring and yeah and I love it's an iconic shot of behind Marcellus's Wallace Marcellus Wallace's head and he's got like the bandaid on his mm-hmm. neck or whatever yes and the lighting on Ving Rhames yeah. in the bar it's so good yeah but no mm. and then and mm. that's in your section that you like Brandon. The other part yes. that I, my it's other favorite part end, yeah. is part of that is the, when he shoots up heroin. Yes. It's very sexy. Who it's, does? When John, John Travolta. Travolta. Oh, it's sure, like intercut sure. with extreme close-ups of the needle. And In then my him, fave section. Him driving. Mm-hmm. It's very sexy. Oh, uh, him driving. Him driving. Mm. And this is like, I, this is what I mean, yeah. like in terms of characters and Tarantino movies doing terrible things. And yet they are compelling and uh-huh. charming to watch. Like, He's driving under the influence of heroin. Uh-huh. <laughs> and LOL. it looks fucking cool. On his way to work, Yeah, basically. and it's not <laughs> a matter of depiction and endorsement. It's just the milieu of the characters. Mm-hmm. And Tarantino smartly chooses not to judge them yeah. when presenting the story because he expects you as an audience to grapple with it. Mm-hmm. It's not his... And Scorsese does a similar thing. Yeah. And like Wolf of Wall Street. Um, he's not... You know that the drug anecdote is a Scorsese ripoff. Do you not know no. that? Um in a very little-known film called American Prince, which is basically just a documentary Scorsese made about his friend Stephen Prince, mm-hmm. who was Party. a young New York faggot in the 70s who was just... Have- is that what St. Vincent's Prince Johnny is about? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. <gasps> and he was just... He was the life of the party. He was a raconteur. Oh and God. in the documentary, he tells the story of, you know, I was hanging out with this girl. We were... We were doing drugs. She had an overdose. I had to take her to my dealer's house. He pulled out this huge needle of adrenaline. He shoves it right in her heart. Wow. Uh-huh. <gasps> I mean, that that whole sequence, I mean, that's yeah. the one that does yeah. it for me. This, you know, I didn't get to rewatch it, and I talked too much. I watched it today. So yeah. I will just say that this is, and I think that a lot of people feel the same way, but this was one of those movies that I watched when I was like 14. I got it on VHS from the library, totally um. blew up my mind, changed what I thought about storytelling, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But I remember watching it um, in my parents' room because my mom and dad had an exercise bike and it was next to a small television that was probably like this slightly larger than an iPad screen that had a VHS player built into it. Oh, love those. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, wa- and watching the movie on that, 
but constantly having to pause it whenever I knew like one of my parents was around mm-hmm. because I knew that they wouldn't want me watching this movie. Yeah. And then I would God. eject it, like, wait it out. You have to eject the movie. Yeah. And then uh, as soon as the coast was clear. just turn it off. No, 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 because I had to have, it was their room. I couldn't leave the VHS in their uh, TV. Uh, so then when I would sure. get another chance, I would pop it back in and mm. keep watching. Ah, mm. mm. oh, I um, love that. That's yeah. so funny because I, my Pulp Fiction first viewing was late. I watched it like after I had seen Kill Bill. Interesting. It was for sure was the first Tarantino I ever yeah. saw. But I, Kill Bill, I would watch my friend Tyler, who's getting his doctorate at ASU. He and I, when we were sophomores in high school, decided to get really into Tarantino, and we would stay up super late on the weekends, and I would sleep over at his house, and he had one of those classic Ohio basements with like the wood paneling and the shag oh, carpet. I love that. And we would watch Tarantino movies, and I remember watching Kill Bill Volume That's how I watched Kill Bill? And sneaking the Kahlua from his parents' freezer. Oh, it's I like did not ta- do that. Taking like a swig of Kahlua, mm. and then watching Kill Bill oh, Volume Kahlua. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, getting lit off Kahlua during Kill Bill. Tarantino is someone that I like was so into in high school and then there was a period of rejecting him as one does. Sure. Yeah. Um, like I, yeah. I didn't see Grindhouse in theaters. Only at the Like there was a period house. there was a period between Kill Bill and Inglorious Bastards where I was very anti Tarantino. And even again I liked Inglorious Bastards, but I didn't love it the first time I saw it and I was still kind of anti until like three years ago even and then I got like was like now I can accept that this is so funny to my me. my anti tear my anti oh, is that, can I get a refill oh. <laughs> uh, thank you honey um my anti-tarantino came around hateful eight mm. when hateful eight was filling up the new bev I was like yeah. oh get over yourself mm-hmm. but then I saw hateful eight and I was like not nah, good movie it's pretty good I mean it's pretty good um, but I my Memory of seeing Grindhouse. I mean, it's burned in my brain. I saw, I saw it with my Nanu, you know, who's, who's no longer with us. And it was three, you know, three hours and eight minutes. Right. And I had to pee within the first 20 minutes. Right. And I held it the whole time. I held it the whole time. It was the toughest pee of my life after wow. that. My friend and I were obsessed with that trailer, but we were both under 17 and we couldn't get it. We couldn't sneak into the theater. So I mean, I, don't. The trailer for Don't. Iconic. If you are thinking of going in this room, don't. Ah, don't. And then, ah, the trailer for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Jumping on the trampoline. Thanksgiving. I don't think I've seen these. Thanksgiving. Oh, they're great. Then this I is how, must is lend you my Blu-ray. Right. The machete, because the there was a trailer for a machete, and yeah. then it spawned two sequels. The second, uh, don't. including don't. Uh, Lady Gaga's film yeah. debut. Right. So this Ed, Edgar Wright. So you know this, and I'm, but I don't know if our, I'm sure 90% of our listeners do. But Grindhouse was this thing in 2007. It's not available on DVD, and it's full. No, it form. is. Oh, they it, recently it, released. it wasn't for a long time. I'm, I but got it on Blu-ray. Grindhouse is Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's ode to the sort of exploitation and, and hard X. Yeah, the double features you would go to at the Grindhouse movie theaters. So Robert Rodriguez made the A feature, which was a zombie film, and then yeah. Tarantino made the B feature. I thought Death Proof comes first. No. 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 No, Death you would not put Death Proof first. Death Proof is okay. the B feature, so it is slower. It is a slower, movie, yeah. but a psychotic stuntman uh, yeah. who is a murderer. Gotta of get those zombies up front. He kills people with sure. his cars. But between the films, and I think before Planet Terror as well, a bunch of filmmakers made fake trailers to play. So it was all this one program that was supposed to recreate the experience of going I to I think Eli Roth did Eli Thanksgiving. Eli Roth did Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Who did Don't? Edgar Wright. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, and then Robert yeah, Rodriguez yeah, yeah. did Machete, which then became Machete. Machete. Mm-hmm. Machete. Yeah. Um, and then I had each, the poster in each college. film got released. So, so after... DVD separately. Right, because they didn't know how and to release France, Grindhouse yeah. on DVD, so, so they did extended versions of... So actually, of both, fun yeah. fact about me is that I've never seen... The extended versions of either, because oh, I've, I've only, only ever seen well, yeah. I've the only Grindhouse seen the version, almost two-hour version of Death Proof. So, so I think I've never seen the full version of Death Proof, which makes me feel like I'm a fake fan. So, Grindhouse came out the spring before I moved to England, and I knew that once I got to England, I would be able to see it because I understood that the ratings are slightly different there, mm. and the movie I think was rated 15, not 18. I mm-hmm. think. Basically, I thought Probably. that when I got to England, I'd have a chance to see it again. But because it did so poor, it was a box office yeah. bomb because it did so poorly in America, when they released Planet Terror and Death Proof in Europe, they released them as separate, longer mm. films. Uh, Death Proof went to Cannes um, the following year. The did it year. really? Yeah, Death Proof was in competition know. at Cannes. I didn't know that. Um, but wow. so when I finally was able to watch Death Proof and Planet Terror, I was watching the standalone films. Mm. I would then write a paper my freshman year of college on Planet Terror, and I love Death Proof. I've seen it many times. I've only seen Death Proof, I think, twice. Planet Terror, I don't think, has l- done well in my imagination since. I wrote the paper. What I've like, like, gleaned from the internet I, is it's bad now. That, no, I imagine it would be bad now. I haven't I, seen it. I, I'm sure I would still love it because I'm a but fun dumb fact, idiot. But Josh Brolin was shooting Planet Terror and uh, Robert Rodriguez shot his audition tape for No Country for Old Men. Wow. While they were shooting. Oh. I mean, yeah, yeah, the timing yeah, makes sense. Death Proof, good movie. But yeah, Pulp Fiction. Um, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction <laughs> shot largely oh. in and around my neighborhood. So I'll mm-hmm. like drive past a bridge that's in the background mm-hmm. of a shot. And we're not talking about Reservoir Dogs, but the infamous credits where they're walking in mm-hmm. slow motion down the side that is at the bowling alley near my house which i have a framed print of not related to tarantino but it's like a very it's like a local landmark they are doing that walk in the parking lot of a bowling alley i have spent many nights at and the restaurant is on eagle rock boulevard it's mm-hmm. called auntie m's kitchen and it's like a mile and a half from my house uh, so i pass it all the time scene. and when when steve mm-hmm. buscemi this is for not to get too regional but anyone who like lives in the highland park area and who knows this already that great tracking shot of Steve Buscemi running away from the cops oh, yeah. uh-huh, down uh-huh. the street. Uh-huh. And then when he's shooting, when he's a shooter with the cops at the street corner, that is where Cafe de Leche is now, which was the first like gentrified coffee shop mm-hmm. in Highland Park. And when he's running past like all those storefronts, some of those were still there like 10 years ago when I first moved to Southern California, but now it's all like, um, you know, like bougie beer bars and stuff. Right. But so if you've ever been to Highland Park on York Boulevard on the corner with Cafe de Leche, that's where Steve Buscemi is doing the shootout that's with the cops. That's the reservoir spot. Yeah. That's the dog. Should we move on to Jackie Brown? Sure. sure. Party. Jackie Brown is his best film. Jackie Brown is his best film. Pam Greer and hmm. Robert Forster give the two best performances in any 20, uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. That's correct. Hmm. I. Hmm. Who do you think? Uma Thurman Uma? and Kill Bill? Yes! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, Sorry. it was we great, but we, it's sh- we shouldn't be ranking movies. We should have done a little bit more work. For me, I did no work. I didn't watch any of these movies. <laughs> but like done like our top 10 Tarantino characters or something. I could do it. I couldn't do it right now. Not but, but, saying... But Bridget Von Hammersmark would be in my top seven. Great. Um, yeah. And, and, and I mean, Pam Greer and Robert Forrester as Max Cherry and Jackie Brown. If we're doing characters and not performance... No, char- well, no both. No, we, we can do performance. We can do performance. If we're Those doing two character, different two different it would be... 
Jules. Christoph Waltz. Hans Landa. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, no, mine would remain the same. Uma. But, like, you just have to remove my top and then yeah. think two down remove for me. Remove your top. Brandon's is a family wow. Oh. 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 Yeah, we're going long. Um, okay, Jackie Brown, go. I didn't get to rewatch it. I mean, I good movie. It, it is a beautiful movie about obsolescence and middle age, and there the to- it is. The tone of it is fantastic. It's the hangout movie, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's deeply melancholy. It's very disturbing, and the love story between Jackie and Max is astonishing. It's the only one of his movies that has a true love story in it. Yes, yes. Of equally matched well, partners, unless Leo and Brad. That's a lot. True. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. But I also I think, think that we could have still and, had more scenes with them together. And the bra- and Beatrix and Bill. That's, but that's a love story. That's a complicated love story, but maybe very complicated. Yeah, because it's. I it's mean, if just, you're going with straightforward love yeah. story, yes, it's, obviously. Because that's just tied up with a lot of different things, and the love has already passed officially. Like yes. the romance part is over. But they love each other. But when like, I the was minute on, she pokes his heart to death, when she I, still loves him. When I was on totally. that podcast screen drafts a few weeks ago, and me and my boss Mike were doing yes. queer romance as the theme, we kept getting around to like that has to encompass like romance gone south, like and happy mm. together. So I would mm. say that based on the rules that Mike and I set up, because that's what's been in my head lately around romance. Bill and Beatrix has to has to qualify. Yeah, because they were in love, but they yeah, it's gone. Yeah, we'll we kill were each other. in love. We don't. Were in you're love. spoiling the end of Kill Bill. The titular Kill Bill. Bill dies. Kill Bill. He gets killed. Do you guys killed. remember seeing the trailer for Kill Bill in movie theaters? I don't. I do not. I wish I did. Kill Bill Volume Two. That trailer was. What was the trailer? So it's a black and white single shot of her driving like down the PCH. Oh, the she's, first shot. She's like, yeah, I've been around the block a couple times. I just got back from Asia. Now I'm back. And and slowly the, and the, 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 the camera kill. is like zooming in on her face. And mm. last like, I got to do one more thing. I'm going to kill Bill. Mm. The and kill then Bill, what does it You do? guys were a little bit older than me, but Brandon, you weren't much older than me. But Kill Bill sent a shockwave through my town in Ohio and that it seemed like the most dangerous movie ever made. Oh. Yes. I mean, we've, we've seen this on Twitter very recently. Apparently every gay was also having the same personal experience that I thought only so I was how having. How they put this in theaters? But like everyone was watching it in their basements on mm-hmm. DVD with their friends. That's literally what the story is I just said. But yeah, everybody everybody has that story. Yeah, which which I loved. I love that everyone... I like, watched I, it alone. I mean, oh, great. Yeah. Good oh, for... Yeah. I wish I had. I watched Jackie Brown alone for the first time. I mean, I watched Jackie Brown for the first time at the New Beverly Cinema. Two years ago. I was almost two years it's ago. It's still hard for me to watch movies with other people. Like it's always been like a... A very private thing for me. You do it for, with us. I do. That's, he, that's still he, very he hard. He drags himself to the theater <laughs> and hates being there. <laughs> well, here too. What is it, Ben? What movie were we at when I was the first one there? And he and, was like, I got to sit away from no, you. No, no. You, you were you were like, you're like, if you don't sit, like I got there first. I was like, all right, I'm here. Like I'm saving you guys seats. And you were, you basically said like, it was probably the new Beverly. Like if the seats are not in this area, no offense, but I am going to sit somewhere else. <laughs> Dead. The nerve, the gall, the audacity. Jackie Brown's a beautiful right. film. I, I'm not gonna speak about it. <laughs> Robert De Niro, like king idiot. Mm. Robert De Niro. So this good. might be. It's Samuel. I mean, Jackson's this is not true, but this might be my favorite performance performative. Of Robert his. De Niro. I mean, Robert De Niro is so hitting that bong. He's so Drinking good in this. This this is my favorite performance. Of the way that the, I know it's not his best, but it's my favorite. I'm thinking about the the scene between him, Ordell, and Bridget Fonda's character, whose name I can't remember right now. What's her name? You just watched Melanie. It. Melanie. It's Melanie. When they're all in the Mal or they're not in Malibu, they're 
by the beach anyway. They're like in the apartment complex yeah, yeah, yeah. in Ordell's apartment and they're in just Hermosa. sitting around hanging out in Hermosa Beach and they're drinking screwdrivers mm. and just the way that the light hits those screwdrivers and, and the little feet. Oh, by the way. When Jackie slams the, the door wall shut and then her and Ordell have that fight uh-huh. and yeah. you can't hear anything they're saying and Robert Jr. is just like That's the scene that begins the with ball. the iconic side-eye shot uh, of Pam at the with door. With the glasses, yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Anyway, sorry. No, I mean, I'm... Someone else talk. <laughs> um, Kill Let's Bill? Talk about Kill Bill. Okay, well, I'll, just, then I'll just say ja- just move Jackie forward. Brown is a fascinating <laughs> characterization of a woman on the verge who is exhausted, beaten down by life, and has one last chance to break the beat. That's right. Oh, yeah. And and it is the... the I, oh, oh, okay, last thing about Jackie 110th Street. Is that it? 110th Street. Yeah, I was hell listening yeah. to it on my way here. The mall oh. sequence is another wonderful example uh, of Tarantino all timer taking all all the timelines, sticking them in a blender, yeah. and making margaritas with it. Rosh it is so Lama fun Lama. to watch. Mm-hmm. It is so intoxicating. It has my favorite. Uh, I made a gif of this, which is like not applicable to anything, but it's when the woman at Nordstrom's or wherever Billingsley Billingsley Bid- yeah what <laughs> what is when, that when Jackie is like I love it I love the outfit I'll take it and then the woman goes. Cash a card. And then Jackie goes, cash. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I think about cash. that every day. Cash. Cash. Definitely uh, cash. Cash. Slide uh, away to the yeah. dressing room. But so good. That's an movie. incredible sequence. It's 40 minutes of the movie. It's amazing. So it's amazing. As much as I am so happy that Helen Hunt is an Academy Award winner, if I, I would sell my soul to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> to give that Oscar to Pam Grier. Was Pam yes. Grier nominated? No. no. She got the SAG nomination yeah. and didn't get anything else. She didn't get the Globe nomination? That's, I don't think so. That's, Jackie Brown, by the way, iconic Christmas wild. release. Uh, Jackie Brown. Oh my God. What was the tagline? Like, this Christmas. She's coming for you. <laughs> Jackie. No, seriously. The tagline's like something like, Merry Christmas, bitch. Get like, jacked, bitch. Like, Get no, some <laughs> brown in your stocking. <laughs> Jackie I'm Brown, looking. that is... It's like it's the like, character posters. Are this iconic. Christmas, Santa's got a brand new bag. Santa's yes! got a brand it's new like, bag. It's like, it was like exclusively Christmas theme tagline. The other tagline <laughs> is "Be prepared." <laughs> what, is this, lot, what is this? What is this scar and line? And not the new not line. The new line not the new one. All right. What I will say about Kill Bill is, I was like for a long time, I was like. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's not my favorite movie of all time. I don't know. I mean, I love it. I used to love it. Rewatching both of them, it's my favorite movie of all time. Like I have doubled down. Yes. Like it. It's a movie about the patriarchy. I can't even speak on it. It's just so fuck. It's just the blend of it moves forms, you. the iconic action sequences. It's, it's every every the anime every the anime single. Scene scene mm-hmm. the fact that it is one movie but it also is so very much two different movies sorry mm-hmm. tarantino but two like more one is about one is samurai homage right. one is spaghetti western homage mm-hmm. i mean they're just oh my god i mean the first one is just action action the daryl hannah fight i mean in two the daryl hannah fight the most insane thing and and the bill the yeah carradine at the end delivers an all time monologue mm-hmm. that scene the final chapter of kill bill mm-hmm. as, is 40 minutes yeah from the minute she sees her daughter uh-huh. to to the end credit is 40 minutes i mean question not to get off topic 
is Carradine in? Well, he's obviously dead. But is he in one of the? Is he in the FBI serial in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or is it just someone who kind of looks like him? Oh, I didn't notice <gasps> the way that Leo is cut into it. Uh-huh. I could swear that Carradine hmm. is one of. the I'll watch for it on my rewatch. But he might not be. But yeah. might be a lookalike. Could be a lookalike. Look um. Let's see, what year was that? Sixty nine. Ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. I have nothing to say about Kill Bill. Cyrus my, mm. It's my favorite movie of all time. That's another and, movie and that changed I'm, me. I, 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 that's, I mean, that movie literally oh, changed me. Guess what Keith Carradine's very first credit ever was? What? I don't know. McCabe and Mrs. Miller. <gasps> oh, as Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a cowboy mm. he was. He was in Bonanza. Not FBI though. Was that a real show? I don't know. I, I he, Tarantino just did such a good job of recreating those. I know. Oh, and by the way, the little girl whose last name is in whose last name is Butters is extraordinary. Mm, she's so good. she's so funny. That whole scene. Yeah. Anyway, Kill Bill. She's like, great movie. Kill Bill's anyway. great movie. Pumpkin puss. I don't like that. But because you're having a moment, I'll, I'll allow, allow it. it. Yeah. Well, she says something see. really good. I can't remember it, but I was like... I mean, she has so I many know. good lines. I prefer actor because the word actress is, is. absurd. Or whatever she oh, says. Mm. So good. She's great. She um, great. I watched Kill Bill a couple months ago. And I was just like, oh yeah, I still like have this movie memorized, huh? I mean, I think that's really what it is, is that I have the movie memorized. So, like, every scene, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, this scene. Mm-hmm. Next scene, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, this scene. Like, yeah. I think I understand critiques around the idea of a strong female lead when that is interpreted to be an ass kicker. Mm. So I can understand why someone would be turned off by this movie being an example of feminism because of that. I don't agree because I think so much of the movie is about her dealing with the patriarchy and people mm-hmm. who are trying to keep her down because she's a woman, like the man who rapes her when she is in a coma. Mm-hmm. Like the, the movie- uh, When the, she slams his head in the yeah, door. Like, yes. the, 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 uh. the movie is so full of examples of patriarchy and the way that society tries to keep women down. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes it a feminist film more than the ass kicking and the Bruce Lee suit. Yeah. I'm just- I've read nothing about that, those reads of the movie, so I'd be curious. I am all about. I refuse Uma's to read negative things about Kobo. What? All of, I'm all about her performance. Yeah, she's incredible. She. This is one of the greatest performances. Certainly of one all of time. time. As I said in my live journal, in ah! contemporaneously, I feel, like, I feel like I'm speaking as a live journal right now. I, I said if the Academy knew anything. They would give the Oscar to Uma Thurman. Keep in mind, Uma Thurman did get Me. the Golden Globe nominations. Mm. Did she? In drama. Good for her. Certainly for two. Certainly for two. What's funny, here's here's the last point I'll make about mm-hmm. Kill Bill. It was also the first Tarantino movie to be shot by Robert Richardson, which I think it is important. Shows. I think it's important to say. All right, really let me say one last. look of Hollywood, but we'll have to save it for another episode because Richardson's doing A-plus work. Um, last thing I'll say before we rank. Oh, God, I gotta get the Okay. Kill Bill Volume 1 was uh, um, reviewed less positively than Volume 2. Flash forward to now. Uh Volume 1 is more revered than Volume. Most people do not like Volume 2. I think it's a great movie, but I do think it is not as good. So I can't even... I only view them as no, one. No, I know. Like, it's like I, my Pulp Fiction I, I thing. Truly I truly 
only can view if someone them. told me that if, there was a flaw with pulp fiction i wouldn't be able to like like i can't comprehend it it's yeah like, it's like trying yeah. to point out something to a cat and they just they're just like what yeah <laughs> like if someone held a gun to my head and was like which one's better mm-hmm. you don't have to choose them because they are one movie i would say they're one movie put the bullet there bitch <laughs> <laughs> Kill me. Kill me. <laughs> Literally kill me. Call me. I've been waiting to die for me. so long. <laughs> like, where you been? I've been waiting to die for so long. Starring Kristen Scott Thomas. Oh. What? I've loved you so long. Remember Great. that movie? No. You, you saw that, didn't you? I think so. Yeah. That's I thought you were just doing only God Kristen forgives. Scott Thomas, English person and francophone, doing a film all in French as a woman, I believe, Queen. released from prison. Emmy Award oh, nominee. Yeah. Who Hopefully wants to winner. rank first? I have my ranking pulled up. Okay, so are uh, we counting down? We're going going bottom going? to top. Yeah, and we're not including four rooms. No. Okay. What's four rooms? Some Stan. Do you know what four rooms is? You gotta look up four rooms. It was like an anthology movie from when? It's it's the mid nineties. Uh, yeah, and it's Allison. It's Allison Anders, Quentin Tarantino. Let me look I it forget up. who, who they all are, but they—it's it like four. There are four hotel room stories. Robert fake Rodriguez fan. and Alexander Rockwell. Oh, cute! I'm a fake fan. Um, okay, and we're, so we're ranking Kill Bill as one movie. Yes, sure, everyone. Sure, sure, sure. We're gonna do the the official Tarantino nine, as so, they are so denoted. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Number nine, Hateful Eight. Okay. Number eight, Death Proof. Number seven, Django Unchained. Number six, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've got this is I have the list of movies here, Brandon, so I can rank. Later. Number five. I thought you had Django that high. Kill Bill. Number four, Reservoir Dogs. Number three. Don't look, Brandon. What? Number three. Emotionally, don't think I can do what I showed you. Don't do it then. Number three, Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> Number two, Pulp Fiction. Number one, Jackie Brown. It's a you good list. Change it now. I know. For the public what I What I showed Brandon earlier was that I had put Inglourious Bastards at number two behind Jackie Brown. Mm, and I just, because Couldn't Pulp do it, your heart. Takes, interesting. I do think Inglourious Bastards is probably a better movie, but I just, I don't think I can ever say that as far can as I like a next? ranking Your context. soul. Yeah. Can I go next then? Yes, please. Okay. Number nine, The Hateful Eight. Number eight, Death Proof. Number seven, Django Unchained. Oh. What? Well, Django Above Death Proof. That's what I did, sure. too. Oh, did you do that, yeah. too? Number six, right. Reservoir Dogs. Number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number four, Kill Bill. Number three, Pulp Fiction. Number two, Inglorious Bastards. I'll do it. Number one, Jackie Brown. So our lists are like the same, basically. All of our all, lists are like we're the basically same. All, the same. All, we yeah. all pretty much agree. It, it's it, almost like we're stands. Yeah, we all are pretty much on the same page. One stand upon doesn't work. What <laughs> was your no, What was your number upon, one? Once upon a stand in Hollywood, was Jackie, Jackie Brown, right? By a country mile, and I think Inglorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill are perfect. Did you put where'd you put Reservoir? Six. You put it below Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I sure did. I don't love Reservoir Dogs. A lot of people don't, I think, and I, I feel that's incorrect. I don't hate I it. Do. I'm I not incorrect. I just think it's incorrect. <laughs> it's incorrect that I don't like it enough, but yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. 
Are, okay, you can only say that I'm incorrect in putting Hollywood above it, but you don't really know how I feel about Reservoir Dogs, so right, you can't you're, say you're, I'm incorrect. You're really going at this in a way that I'm, doesn't matter. I'm, <laughs> I am a, I'm aware of that, and what you're saying doesn't matter either. I'm just going along with it. I'm ranking. Okay, number nine, Hateful Eight. I have Django at number eight. Five and, stars for you, though. And then I have They're five. all five-star movies except The Hateful Eight for you. They're all five-star films except Hateful Eight, which is four. Django, I think Death Proof is better than Django. Um, and then it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, I mean, the, I feel like it's too low. I don't know. Um, then Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Inglorious, Jackie Brown, and Kill Bill. Okay, it's a solid but, I mean, that's it. I can't put, for me personally, I can't put Once Upon a Time above anything that's, yeah. high, you know, it's just, they're all five-star films, basically. I feel you. Yeah, it's hard. It's tough. I will say about Hateful Eight, which is an imperfect film, and that that's the Tarantino movie that I have the most problems with, that I could speak for hours about what I don't like about. Mm-hmm. But what I do love about it is I think it's the smartest movie. And we, you said this recently, too. Hmm. Um, my takeaway at the time was, like, this is the smartest movie I've seen about America in a long mm-hmm. time. And you said, after Trump, it resonates in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to this country's hatred of women um, and conversations about race as well, mm-hmm. Hateful Eight is really on point. I would love and to I also rewatch have, it. I would have given Samuel L. Jackson the Oscar for Best Actor that year. It's very hateful. good. The acting is very good in it. Yeah, Walton Goggins for Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Mm. And just like white people siding with white people against their own best interests. Exactly. Is very much what that movie's about. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I um, My issue with The Hateful Eight, and I won't spoil it because I don't, that's one that I can see people not having seen. Um when the thing is revealed, mm-hmm. I think all the air goes out of that movie. What's revealed? I for like a solid 30 minutes. If you haven't seen Hateful Eight, turn it off. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, what happens? When, when, when like everybody dies and you find out that Channing Tatum has been below the haberdashery the entire movie. Oh. I think, it, I think it is far more interesting as an Agatha Christie whodunit. Yeah. That's where the best tension in the movie comes from. And I think all the air goes That's out like my least favorite part is the stagecoach on the way. And I love that. And I'm just like, I just I just want to get to the haberdashery. But I like that because I, I love the shifting allegiances and the ideas, which is present in the coach and mm-hmm. the idea of who these people are. Yeah. And you get Kurt Russell saying, ha, don't make me horse laugh, which is <laughs> iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Russell, star of Furious 7. Star of Death Proof. This car is 100% Death Proof. He's so good in Death Proof. I love Death Proof. You do. You love all of these movies. When when he gets the heel of the boot smashed into his head at the end of the The movie. The final shot. The fact that that's the final shot makes it above Django. I love Django too, but that makes it better than Django I had a feeling you would like that shot, Brandon. I just love a boot in the face. Uh. Just like a fireplace in the face. Root, toot, and boogie. Thank you. All right, let's fucking go home. What's happening? (laughs) This has been another episode of Movies IMO. The 96th. The 96th episode. Oh, shit. My name is Ben Empey. You can find me on Twitter at Todd Haynes Vivo. It's a new There's a new It's ad. a new era. It's bitch. a new dawn. It's a new yeah. day. Mm-hmm. It's a new life for Ben. God, we've recorded for two hours. Wow. We haven't done this in so long. Yeah. My name's Daniel Crook. I'm on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. And I'm proud to say that Jean Dielman comparison came to me during the movie. Wow. I didn't have to shoehorn it in as usual. Hell yeah. By the way, you guys right. did not make a Jean Dielman reference on the last episode. Well, well we were busy. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, were, we were booked in prison <laughs> we were talking about the lion fart. The, the lion's fart! The lion quiche. P- Pumbaa's, Pumbaa's fart. I loved the discourse on the episode about the farting. The fart. Mm-hmm. Ben was right about how Disney doesn't trust its audience mm-hmm. anymore. So they have to say the word farting. Yeah. No double entendre. Mm-hmm. Like unbelievable censorship. Yeah. Truly. Can't say fart anymore. Or you can say <laughs> fart now. Anyway, whatever. You can't be artful about you not saying you fart. You can't be fartful. Uh, ben, True. just can you just edit everything I've said in this episode? Why? <laughs> My name is Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. I've pivoted to Fast and Furious stand-up. Thank you. Yeah. He's pivoting. You know what? I love a good pivot. You know, I made my intentions clear. Early July, I said I'm watching all 37 Fast and Furious films. He's pivoting. And He's I revving. He's you're backing up. The, you're He's, doing the pivot. When I say Putting I'm doing something, I, you do it. I, I do it. You I really stick. do it. Brandon, Brandon, you stick shift to it. Oh. Uh I want Dom's stick shift. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a take. Oh wow, you're taking the shift. Oh, Big wow, swing shift. You uh, can follow us on Twitter at Movies IMO. Please follow us on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes, or <laughs> Acast, or Spotify, or your favorite uh, thing of choice, podcatcher <laughs> of choice, and tell us who do you want to go back in time and save from death. Oh. Who would you make a movie about there not having died? The Lion King. <laughs> I would save the Lion King I from death. I would love the Lion King to True. not die. True. So. How are we going to do so the, the announcement? announcement. The, let's do like a news alert. News of the world across the globe from coast to coast. It's like the wells for boys. They also have the stage to make an announcement. We are one by one. Coming up the Climbing stage. up onto the stage that Mitt Romney made the people build oh. before he fired them. Oh, guys, I'm going to get emotional. We don't have to get emotional yet, but seeing as I don't even have to be the one to say it, but I'll just put it in context. Who's going to say since, it? Since this I'll is the, it. since this is, Ben's <laughs> like, I'll say it so we can put this thing to fucking bed. Ben's like, I'll say it. Some of you, some of you won't say it. Some of you want to make concessions. I just love ripping off the band-aid of I'll, things. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking say it. I'll contextualize you. on the stage that Mitt Romney made us build before mm. he fires us that we are announcing this on this episode because we thought in context with Quentin Tarantino making his ninth film and his tenth film being his last, that this would be an appropriate juncture to make an announcement. That... When this is our 96th episode of the program, when we get to episode 100, we will cease the program. Oh my god, cease! We will cease the program. <laughs> cease. Movies, um, movies IMO is canceled. Movies IMO is canceled. Oh my god, let's get it trending. Movies Hashtag, Hashtag movies IMO is canceled. Um, I think we should change our display name on Twitter to movies IMO is canceled. Holy shit. Yes. When this episode drops, we'll, on we'll, that get, we'll Monday, give it a couple days. But <laughs> yeah, once people start adding us, <laughs> and they're like, "Why?" Well, or, they're, or they're like, "You say they're gonna add us about not time." Add us. <laughs> yeah, that's what we, we're not gonna get ads. We're gonna get DMs going back and forth saying, "Finally, they've thrown in the towel." <laughs> but so yes, we are we are ending the podcast uh, for a number of reasons, mostly because. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> we we broke up a while ago, and we just keep we've been doing sixty episodes, hating each other's guts, <laughs> and we just can't take it anymore. Uh-huh. But Brandon, uh, what? It, Brandon, don't put this on me. No, I'm gonna go one by one. 
Brandon, Brandon is in grad school and has a very busy semester coming up. I have a very busy work schedule coming up too with various jobs in the fall. And it will be difficult for me to be able to watch the homework on time, which I have been not being able to watch homework for a while now. Mm -hmm. And, and Ben is just being a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Ben's like, fuck all of you. I've been writing a thousand words a day. motherfuckers. No, that's what I was going to say. Ben, Ben, if you feel comfortable sharing, but you said that you wanted, you personally wanted to start the podcast because you thought that it would get you back into some sort of discipline to create, Mm -hmm. which has led to you making faces, Mm -hmm. your short film now streaming on Deku. Mm -hmm. So you have gotten what you want out of the podcast Mm -hmm. and now you are off to the races. Which is not to say I don't enjoy the friendship. I mean, we're going to have, I no, I said, we're keeping the account. Yeah. Oh. To post about I, our shenanigans. I said to Brandon outside of as, the as podcast. we slowly lose our followers one by one. <laughs> like, Fuck I was bitches. saying, to, I was saying to Brandon uh, after we decided to end it a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, Brandon, my big fear is that we're just not gonna see each other anymore, and that we're not gonna hang out. And you were like, Daniel, we're gonna see each other more now because we don't have to. <laughs> be working every time we're in the same place. Right. Because this mean, also is a lot of work. All of our relationships will get better. Yes. What's, and, and, what's, and ben... what's, what's funny is that the, the weekend after we in that, we decided we were going to end it, we hung out more than we hung out. We hung out, out like three yeah, times in a week. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. Well, it's because it was 4th of July. It was 4th of yeah. July. There was a lot of rosé to be consumed but... or fireworks to watch. Yeah, I don't know. It's not. I think it's not, it's not, it's not over. You know, it, to quote Katy Perry, it's not over until it's really over. what's she say? I don't know. What's until that one song? of us dies, I guess. Oh, true. It's n- they're really over in a I will say if anyone can if song. anyone can get Whatever. a GoFundMe that can reach a five thousand dollar goal, maybe we'll do more. Oh. But it, it's a lot of work to do. We're this, gonna get so. an anonymous yeah, donor. The, the bottom line is it's a lot of work for no money. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it falls <laughs> on Ben. Busy. A lot of it falls on Ben because he edits the show. Um, but we're incredibly, and we're all just in a different place than we were two years yeah, ago. Yeah, and, and we we love you all. We're so and thankful that yeah. people listen to this show, yeah. and we love when and we've people had a fun, add us. A lot of laughs and a lot of fighting. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the lost thirty minutes of the Suspiria episode uh. where, where I left the room. <laughs> I don't think Never. we've ever said that publicly. Uh, well, we're ending the show, so True. never forget when the Suspiria episode ruined everything. <laughs> I think that's I, why the episode's only like fifty nine minutes. <laughs> I think I you kept. Left the room? I think I kept just part of it. You have to delete that. You I said just, you would delete it. I think I Guys, kept my spider just bite when itches. you asked me. So you're just going to shut this down, and I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we come back in, and I'm like, so the original. <laughs> Trying to get it back on track, and y'all are like, "Shut the fuck up!" I was so up, upset. Faggot. I was so upset that I upset Ben so much. That was a dark night. That I had to go outside and like breathe because I felt like a fucking asshole. You didn't breathe. You jeweled. I do. Well, we've well, also ne- we've also never talked about how I'm jeweling constantly we're recording this, the episode. You didn't jewel tonight. I was jeweling the entire time. Oh, I didn't even notice. It's just Invisible become part of you. jewel. The jewel is part of you. Some of you, part of you. So some of you want to. Jewel. Anyway, we're done. Thank Fuck you, everyone. You. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just oh. kidding. No, I love every. So after this, there are thank only you. four more episodes. Thank you. Should we just um, say what our episodes are? Sure. We don't even know what they are. We have an idea of what they are. We have. We know let's what three say. of them are. Well, let's yeah. say what next week. Is. Next week, we will be talking about the new Lynn Shelton film. Oh. Sort of trust. Hell yeah! And starring going Mark to... Maron. <laughs> starring Mark Maron. He's so good in this movie. I'm so I heard excited her say for y'all to see it. That, uh, she, they sent a 50-page treatment to a bunch of financiers, and they got four offers immediately, and she wow. just got to pick. 
the one she picked the one that would leave them alone she said that's so good. I nice. mean mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about which films in relation we will be talking about hump day and your sister's sister and outside in maybe outside in ben will talk about it maybe i'll try to watch it they're all so short i'll watch it yeah I'm I, I, watch I, it. I would like to see it i'm excited to see the film me too <laughs> Film singular. It feels appropriate because I got into podcasts through WTF in college when I was very lonely. And so I love that we get to cover a Mark Maron show on the last episodes of our show. He is so good. And then the next week we are taking a hiatus before the final three episodes. We we are taking a week off because it's summer and there's travel to be done. Yeah. There are, there are buffalo to Rome, and some of us need to go see them. And there's nothing, to, there's nothing there's else nothing that weekend. <laughs> well, I will say that we were going to do the Queen. Yeah, um, we were. the the iconic documentary pre Stonewall about mm-hmm. uh, the drag pageant, mm-hmm. which we screened at Outfest this year for a retro. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kino Lorber is doing a nationwide or just yeah, on I think the coasts. it is nationwide. That's so awesome. we were going to do the Queen, um, but unfortunately, we have to scrap that. But still, go see the Queen. Yeah. And there will be a Blu-ray from Kino eventually. Yeah, yeah. They restored it. Yeah. I would like to see it. So, yeah. Um, and <sighs> well, then, that's that. And then we'll do the rest of the episodes when we get to them. Yes. But, so. yeah, thank you very much for listening. This has been a real pleasure. And we still have a few left. So. Yeah, like this isn't the end. We no, still no. are. We just wanted know. to give everyone a heads up this so is- you can start planning how you're going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Don't planning say how to Venmo us. Oh, We've no, made you, a lot of them. This is like this and is haven't ac- had a single one cashed. This is actually Anchor Steam. Just looking at you, bitch. I was gonna make an Anchor Steam joke uh, today. Uh, Anchor Steam, you owe us five. How people always say that request goes down like the foamy multi waters of Anchor Steam, brewed with pride in San Francisco. I was gonna say this is just like how people think Netflix cancels shows so that the internet will be outraged. And that's really what we're doing. We just want to hear that you love us. Yes. <laughs> Please be like, don't, don't. No, really. If don't we, can, we can, to be clear, the show is ending. If so. we, if we continue, well, let's the show, see the response. Brandon, Brandon would never sleep again if he had to watch these movies and do grad school. Yeah. Onward from here. Don't put this all on. No, me. I'm not. Yeah. I uh, just think yeah. it's. And I'm about to be watching a lot of movies for work again, and it is very, very hard. To yeah. watch more movies, on guys. Top we of don't it. need to make excuses. Make our fans beg for it. <laughs> we are ending it because we want to. What I love, okay? what I love, is that this episode is going to drop, and we're not going to get a single response. I know. What's going to be like? As, um, everyone stop listening at the ninety minute mark, and no one knows that they're like oh, these three faggots funny. are canceled for these opinions. That's funny. <laughs> no one's going to say a damn word. Yeah. As so, Phoebe Robinson said about the two dope queens podcast when someone asked why they didn't keep doing it she was just like we're busy that's she was was like if if we don't have time to do it well we weren't gonna do it and that's really where we're and that's us that's us so hashtag nbc's this is us hashtag movies imo is canceled let's get that trending i mean i'm I'm going to Twitterize on Monday. So if y'all fuckers aren't listening, then I'm gonna well, try don't to do it on Monday, though. Give it a little I'll bit. I'll do of- it on Wednesday. Okay, perfect. I'm going to try to start blogging more. Great. Since I'll have a little Flexible. bit, a marginable right. more time. Nice. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to diving back into the canon marginable. beyond our homework. Great. I'm excited when I, to when I have time. watch TV again. It Maybe will. I'll we were watch... supposed to talk about TV on this podcast, we thought but it never it really then... became. Maybe Our I'll bio on Barry. iTunes still says we talk about <gasps> the best in TV and film. What? Barry? No, we should talk about 
definitely back for our last episode. Oh. Or not maybe not the last episode, but one of the one extra slot we have. I want to talk about the first episode of season two, which is just like, a perfect piece of storytelling, mm-hmm. both it's visually one of the best things on the ever. page and the mm-hmm. acting. Mm-hmm. All right, last actually, but the real idea. twist is that both of his mothers were lesbian. Lesbian, <laughs> but it cuts. Uh-huh. Yeah, it the cut. Cuts. The cut. Lesbian cut. Brilliant. It's it's it's, it's. Claire. 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 I look like Claire. A, I look like a Emmy pencil. Award nominee. Every Claire. single actress in Fleabay got nominated for mm. an Emmy. Put your hands fucking up. Brilliant. <laughs> Literally brilliant. Hands up. Okay. Like, what? I feel like we need to stop treating this like the last episode of the podcast. We will get time to just talk about this. This and, episode was and, over and, two hours. We'll our get, fans are going to be like, what? On the last happening? episode, we'll air our dirty laundry. We'll apologize to each other for the things we need to apologize for. <laughs> it will be just for. a making amends episode. It'll, it'll be an airing of grievances and a making of amends. Uh, and it'll be fun. Fellow film fag Zach Heltzel said at TJ's birthday party, he just, I said something at the party and he was like, I like you because you're so confrontational. <laughs> And I was like, really? I was talking to Zach Heltzel. <laughs> Am I an internet bully? <laughs> I was talking to Zach Heltzel at a at a nacho night, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, he he was like, yours is one of the only comedy podcasts I'll listen to all the way through." I'm like, "It's very nice of you to call this a comedy. comedy? <laughs> is this comedy?" My sister said just the other day. You guys are so funny. And I was like, thank you. We're ending the podcast. <laughs> Did you guys tell Cameron? Anytime anyone talks to me about the podcast, I'm like, thank you. It's ended. Have you guys been telling people that we're ending it? I have not. Yes. I've only told Brandon? my sister. Not like real people, like my mother. Oh, yeah, sure. I told <laughs> my, yeah, I told my mom. I told my therapist. Did you guys tell your therapist? Of course. We yes. already oh, discussed we've how this. we told our therapist. Yeah, not on the mic. No. But we did all discuss... With well, our this therapist. So, I'm so excited how long this episode is. I know, it's is. been a while since we Fan, like And li- enjoyed it. Listeners are going to know something's up. Because it's long. Because it's, so it's so long. Well, I think listeners might And when I tweet about it, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be cryptic. I'm going to be like, listen to the end. Wait, I don't think you should say that. I think that we should, I, I really <laughs> well, think. too late. Did you? Already, I'm in control yeah, of the You've already timed Twitter. the tweet. <laughs> I've already that, scheduled the tweet. I think <laughs> listeners are going to be like, oh, they went long because it's the long movie. And because there's so much discourse. And I think they're just going to be like, oh, these Faggots love Tarantino. <laughs> well, well, also not. This was I mean, kind not, of not, not true. true. We were kind of jacking it on this one, but mm. so uh, the it. orgy episode. All uh. right. Well, um... the winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you, thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.